This is a 1984 Flyer Die podcast. Says a single featuring uh, Second to None. Yeah, Hand in Hand came on. It's on my, it's on my uh, iPhone. It's on my iTunes, and it keeps coming up in the car, and mm. it, it just feels amazing. The bass yes. in that song feels amazing. Forget how it sounds; it's like a rich, thorough sound to it. He also produced a song on there. It was like an Elder Bar solo song. Oh, really? And it was just. I love it, man. You should have just done so many. You should have done produced everybody's records back then. Yeah, <laughs> like, just rec- and then start rag records, man. Because that album was just so funky to me. Even uh, the album before that, how quick is the name? Uh, Safe and Sound. Yeah, a Safe and Sound album was fire. Like this song, Dollars and Cents, was dope. But if you heard the actual the demo version of that yeah. song, pff, hands down, crazy, just melodic, and it was just. There's no other producer on the West Coast that has, that ever like get grabbed me like quick did. I mean, uh-huh. everyone says Dre's the best one out, out the West Coast, and mm-hmm. Dre's putting work in. But to me, my favorite producer out the West Coast is DJ Quick. Yeah, really. Okay. And then Battle Cat. Yeah. And, and who else can I mention? Uh, there's a lot of people from. L.A. who produ- who are producers that I, that I love from, from back then, but it's just but Quick and Battle Cat were two of my favorites, and like DJ Pooh did great joints. Sir Jinx did great joints. Sir Jinx is my personal favorite. Those that he just replaced the Bomb Squad on um, Death Certificate. Yeah, I think he might have done it better. He might out Bomb Squad the Bomb Squad. I think Death Certificate is my favorite of all time. Uh, rap album, period. Just because this is a beautiful record. Mm-hmm. Uh, fearless, Ice Cube was just fearless on that record. And he wanted everybody. He wanted Black America. Mm-hmm. He wanted White America. He wanted gays. He wanted at women. He wanted. This is how he felt. As profane and and disturbing as that was, he just. It was just, it was just a great. It's just how he felt, you know. It was like at its purest, the the music at its most purest form. Mm-hmm. And it came at the time, you know. Hip hop was Reagan. It was all Reagan up until you know eighty nine. Uh, Reagan's term was up. The Bush came in, and Bush couldn't keep that. Couldn't keep the fairy tale going. Nope. And things really soured. And, you know, the police brutality and all the riots popping off. Everything that was wrong in the world just kind of came to light. I mean, we all knew. Mm -hmm. 
we all had a grip on it, but you know, just for everyone, for the public at large, it's just like you cannot keep that up. And you know, Bush was a spook, CIA spook, and he was talking about the new world order, and people was kind of like shook because of that. So thing got things got really real mm-hmm. <laughs> in '89, '90, um, and that's why. The, that that cusp was so amazing. That's just a part of it, man. It's like people just expression was um, kind of pure. I think everybody was getting on. So um, it was for before the forty and the blunt movement, mm-hmm. and I always talk about you know what went wrong or what went right for a lot of people. What yeah. a lot of people's um um. I don't know where 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 things just kind of dropped off and kind of became cliche. Um, and then Cypress Hill's second album, Black Sunday, and it, it kind of led on that they were about weed, and it was just you know something to listen to while you got high. Yeah. And in college, you went to a predominantly white college, and then you start seeing, you know, everybody was, everybody's into Nirvana and everything. And, you know, they were feeling, you know, R.E.M. It's a crazy, crazy time for music. Like, every genre was just flourishing between 89 and, like, 94, 95. Mm-hmm. And hip-hop for the those white kids was just something else to get high to. Just like jazz before that, before, you know, R&B before that. Mm-hmm. Or R&B and after, after jazz. Um it was a weird thing, you know what I mean? It's like, gosh, there's so much more to it than 40s and months, but that's what you pick up on. And If I like the beat, then go ahead and play it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, big thing I want to talk about. So what's, you think it, what do you think is the most adored hip-hop album of the 90s? Record, song. Song? Oh God! All right, of the of the nineties, the most adored album. Most adored record. Illmatic. That's not even, not even my favorite album, but everybody talks about Illmatic as if that was like. Right, you talked about it was written. I thought it was written. Super, uh, super, uh, yeah. Which for me, it was written was a big sign of things. It was overproduced for me. Okay. As far as I'm concerned, Trackmaster really too. Yeah. Trackmasters, yeah, and the Trackmasters sound emerged incredibly um, competent producers. Mm-hmm. Like studio, but it sounded like the studio to me. It was just like really heavily produced. Um, Illmatic doesn't really work as an album for me. It works as a collection of singles. It just doesn't flow as an album does. Right. And that's just the nature of the music. You know, you, you know and it was a very tightly, carefully curated album. Different producers that he had, all yeah. of them come from different places. Q Tip, Large Professor. I probably I always say I would have pre- uh, appreciated Illmatic more if Large Professor produced it through and through and made mistakes, allowed mistakes into it. But you know, we got the Illmatic that we got, and it's an amazing thing. And I play this to death thing. I don't even listen to it anymore because I play this to death. I played it out for myself. I'm bored by it, but that's kind of like my own doing. Right, playing to the ground. But everybody plays it, you know what I mean? Yeah. So I or could be going to add the list. Could be have Illmatic. We could add the first Wu Tang album, Thirty Six mm-hmm. Chambers, because I feel mm-hmm. like you're not hip hop unless you like that album. Oh. Uh, 
I like the Gravediggers album than the dude and the Wu-Tang. But that's just because Prince, Prince Paul had more experience in production right. than the RZA did, and, they, and the two of them worked on that record. And again, in the in the Wu Tang was it's played a lot, mm-hmm. and it's referenced a lot, but nobody really talks about the Grave Diggers and you know Grave Diggers um, with uh, Six Feet Deep, the U.S. title, original title, Nigga Mortis, <laughs> greatest rap record title. All time. This was hours that was released in the UK, and I hold that cassette sealed until in my. I want. I want to be buried with that. Nigga Mortis. Nigga Mortis is like the best. Mm-hmm. <laughs> best album time of all time. Mm-hmm. Um. Um. Yeah, it's weird. Like everybody has a top ten, and I'll, I'll I will name a record I think is better. Like people will think, you know, people always say, you know, straight out of Compton. Death Certificate is always better. Like, I'm not thinking of a related album that might be better. Right. And in the Wu-Tang, I always like the Gravediggers better. It's just a fresher sound to me. Well, people um, say the Chronic is definitely up on the list too, right? People say that. People say the Chronic, yeah. Um, that's hard to, that's a hard act to follow. Doggy Style was like, I guess, the heir apparent to that. Yeah, Doggy Style, yeah. It has more songs that I like, I appreciate. Yeah. Weird thing about Doggy Style, I hated the cover. Word. I never like Doggy Style covers. I never got the album. It's a weird thing. Okay. It's just part of that 90 consumerism. It's just like, eh, I don't like this cover. I'll sleep on it. Urbanized. Same Snoopy. thing with the Odd Squad. We're um out on um on Rap a Lot. Mm-hmm. It's a cheesy cover, but it was where um uh what's his name? What's the Houston rapper? Uh Scarface. Not Scarface, um, He's kind of a pothead rapper. Oh, um, Devin the Dude. Yes. That was, I think he debuted on the Odd Squad record, and I didn't buy it because I didn't like the cover of it. But I love, I've come to love Doggy Style because, you know, I can stream it now. Right. Without having the, the, the cover on my show. Yeah, it was a weird thing, man. I just didn't, uh, I didn't like, I was like, ah. Maybe they didn't put the effort into the album they did at the cover. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. You always make those weird like connections. Then it doesn't make sense now, but at the time, it's just I remember looking at it like ah, I passed. And it was a weird thing about Doggy Style when it came out. Everybody was anticipating. It was the first rap record that everybody was anticipating. Mm-hmm. Maybe Elmatic because it had five mics and everything, but not everybody read the source, especially in the Midwest. Everything was radio based, pretty much. Um, for those cats, and you know, I was the only one that had like a subscription to the source. I remember, you know, some people, you know, everybody wanted my copy or they get it at the record store. But yeah, and the Illmatic came out and said, oh, he's going to be new by Cam, and people weren't really that impressed. But again, that was, you know, the West Coast sound was taking over. Then Doggy Style, you know, it was like a lot of hype about it. Then it dropped and nobody bought it that Tuesday. So, like, y'all been waiting for it. It's like, ah. Everybody was waiting for somebody else to buy it so they can hear it. People still really apprehensive, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Then the hype, five years later, is the hype caught up to things, so people were just going to buy it regardless. It was weird. I'd be at the record store, and the dude would come in and buy the CD, buy CDs, and throw away the jewel case and the cover art and just put the CD in the, in the car changer. <laughs> Culture was changing. 
and nobody knew album titles anymore. It's like, oh, I like number three. What do you think? Number three and number seven. Number seven is my shit. I'm like, okay, you know the title of these songs. It's like, uh, eh, no, not really. I'm like, all right. Weird, man. It's a weird thing. But not that you mention that, but I feel like that kind of fed into what happens now. Whereas I remember back in 2010, like, for example, Joe Budden had dropped Music 4, right? And on Twitter and, and the net, you know, he had a big internet following. Uh-huh. And I asked people, I said, okay, it's been about a week. I said, you guys aren't talking about this album at all. Like, you guys aren't saying shit about this project at all. You guys were just talking about, oh, man, great for this album to come out. It's really? been set, been five to seven days. I miss that. What's what's going on? Why aren't you guys talking about it? So now an album will drop, I swear to you, an album will drop today. Mm-hmm. It'll be forgotten about two days from now. Yeah, three days from now. Day. It'll light up Twitter. It'll trend on Twitter for eight hours, maybe two days if we're lucky. Yeah, that's it. And Jake will put something out and, you know, it will trend for 48 hours and everybody's talking about it. For you know maybe a week. Yep, there's. So that disposability is kind of really accelerated now. It has, to the point that even when music videos used to be like events. Yes. Now they're just. Well, it's how you get them. You know, you're not. They're not programmed through MTV. You can just access it whenever you can. Right. And I'll watch there. it later. I'll watch it now. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. You're not watching it on the TV. You're watching it on your phone. So the sound and the vision is reduced drastically. Well, it's a big thing, man. It's like, and I'm talking about that balance during the cusp. Everybody had the package, okay? You had the street record, street album. You had your demo. Mm-hmm. You shop your demo. You get your first single, and they might shoot a video. Your first single, if you're lucky, they'll sign you, and they get you the deal. Your, your debut album comes out. And you have three videos off of it. And it may not be the best singles, but, you know, they're all chosen. So that that was in, that structure was there. And so when I'm in that back room at my grandmother's watching cable, watching BET, watching MTV, watching The Box, and any of the shows that was on Friday night, Nia Peoples, Showtime at the Apollo, it was so much on TV. Even local uh, shows like Crush Rap or Pump It Up syndicated and um you knew what was knew what to expect like like this artist not so popular they only get two videos you know what i mean <laughs> they getting cut off after the second video but it was an album mm-hmm. and then in the 90s it was funny you had the the dj premiere promo cut that just turned into an album cut when the actual album came. So you had the, the street promo. Then you had the radio jam, which is definitely more polished. And, you know, the other singles came after that. Just because, you know. We want to show you that this artist, this artist hasn't show, uh, sold out. So this is a DJ premiere promo, whatever. Whatever street. Hard was a hard, hardcore kind of rap. And then the actual follow-up was a lot softer. Wow. A lot more accessible. You know what that explains it because I remember like let's talk about it like late nineties. Happened a lot. When Nas put out um like the I Am album, 
Mm-hmm. He had the Nas's like was like the previous premiere joint. Yeah, exactly. And then he had the other singles like um, "Hate Me Now." I think came out after that one. And right. That was on that. Yeah, I forget. I am album, the other job. singles. But then I remember when Jay Z had um, volume. Even on volume one, he had um, a million and one questions as like the street single for that one. Then he had the uh, "City Is Mine" as the actual single. Right. Then you, I remember in volume three, same thing. So Ghetto was the premier street joint, Absolutely. but the main one was like Put Your Hands Up featuring uh, Bean Siegel and Emil. Yeah. Wow, see, that, that makes sense now. So that was, uh, you know, you, I just see these trends coming, you know, it's really blatant. Nobody really talked about it then. We didn't have, we didn't have social media, Twitter. Somebody might have written, written a letter to the source, the rap pages, the rap sheet. Those are my three go-tos back then, by the way. Rap Pages was better than the Source most of the time. Source had to rap, but Rap Pages had better photography with B+. And the journalism was uh, for for a for an era. Mm-hmm. They had a really solid like couple of years in late 95, 96, I think. Everything's a blur now, so it was not, might not actually be the years. <laughs> But yeah, um, so then you had dub plate R&B, and that's when I really started tuning out. That was a big thing for me. Forget the shiny suits. Though. Yeah. Okay, so Fuji's come out, you know, Blend on Reality, first album. Crazy group, crazy New Jersey hip hop. New Jersey, for me, has the biggest concentration of pure talent. As far as hip hop is concerned, so many great artists come from Jersey. Girl Latifah, Apache, um, you know, uh, from Latifah, the Red Man to um, Nine One Nature, yeah, Outsiders, Tretch, yep, Tretch might be the most influential influential rapper of all time after Mm -hmm. Kane, I think. Um, big story there. There's a whole other podcast. Oh yeah, no doubt. (laughs) But yeah, Fuji's blending on reality. The follow-up and score, of course. Um, nobody was really checking that at the time. I was ready. Mm-hmm. Had my subscription. I was like, oh, it's coming. I got it on that Tuesday. Everybody's like, well, what is that? Because Blending the Rally, Reality didn't do that well. No, that's the Fuji's. And I listened to it maybe once. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I like the singles. I love it. It's an amazing song. White Clips production was amazing. El Boogie's amazing. Pros. Anyway. <laughs> Pros is Pros, yo. Pros is doing Pros things. On yes. every single record he's ever Pross been on. Pross is the third guy. Always. And um, Pross, Pross was there. You don't go superstar. So, you know, Fuji La came out, and I well. think. So, Killing Me Softly was the second. One time. Right. Yeah, fucking single. Do you yeah. like that single? Killing Me It annoyed me. Did it? When I was, cause when I was a kid on the radio, like, I went from hearing... Fuji Law, I'm like, this is it, right? Then they right. had the one joint, um, the Ready or Not. I'm like, all right, cool. Ready or Not, yes. But then Killing Me Softly, but come on. I'm like, oh, come on, man. I want to hear this. Because like, they would play it during like, upbeat moments of the day. Like, oh, so you didn't like the tempo of it. Yeah, and plus, I just wasn't like, I mean, don't get me wrong. The original song, Roberta Flack, is a, is a great joint. Yes. But it was just like, I don't want to. I want to hear this, man. Cause it was a downer, subject-wise. Yeah, I mean, not subject-wise. It was just like, I'm sitting in the car, and I'm just, my like, what's the song? Just please finish up. Like, get back to some upbeat shit, please. Uh-huh. 
Like, you know, it's just, I don't know, a song wasn't wasn't a favorite of mine. Even to this very day, I'm like, I might hear, if I hear in the club, and like, if I was like back in Fluid in the circle of 2006, yeah. I'm with a couple women around, Everybody I'm going to sing around. Along, they be going to sing it. Yeah, because it's, it's in the air. Yeah. But like, back in 96, me in the, the backseat of my parents' car, hell no. Right. Well, for me, Killing Me Softly is, first of all, there's no rapping on that record. Not at all. One of the biggest hip-hop records. And, you know, that's fine. You don't have to have rapping on a record for it to be a rap record. It's just a, a you know, sonically a thing. Right. Uh, Bjork's Alarm Call is a great hip-hop record. She has, you know, hip-hop joints on her records. You know, sonically, she's not rapping. She's mm-hmm. singing over it, but... Killing Me Softly is beneath the apple bum for people who hated rap. Because I heard the bum, 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 bum. That's, that's actually a sample on the it's side of the Yeah. And it's a dub, you know, it's White Club's dub plate. He exploited it on his, on his second record. It got really tired. Second solo record. Um, but his first record, The Carnival, was amazing, but it was dub plate. So, you know, you had the Jamaican dub plate where you just recreate the instrumental with a different vocal, right? So it was dub plate version of Benita Applebaum. And there was no real rapping on it. Um, it was a cover, right? Mm-hmm. It's a brilliant record. It's a beautiful record. And that was the beginning of the end for me. I, I saw it. So a lot of R&B, that was the became kind of like a normal thing. Right. So next thing you know, Total, um, I think it was Total Jack South Bronx was singing over South Bronx. And Tank was singing over PSK. I might be getting the records mixed up. I think I'm pretty solid. Because okay. they're army records, I really wasn't checking for them. They just irked me. That was Case over Case. Um, the Touch Me, Tease Me. Case, Tank, you know. <laughs> tomato, tomato. Case, yeah, you're right. Because yeah. that when that Nutty Professor sound soundtrack, Major Blige was singing song, on it. Songs that were not on the movie. Foxy Brown was rapping on it. Major Blige <laughs> back, yeah, exactly. Yep. They stopped making sense. <laughs> you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It's like none of these records are in the movie. It's just a promotional tool for the movie. Um, yeah, Killing Me Softly was, you know, everybody loved that song. Nobody liked Benita, or nobody was up on Benita the Apple phone. That's crazy. Come thinking about it now, a lot of the songs that I heard, it was like, yeah, because there were many, st- I was, that whole era was like, not just hip hop, was just like rappers sampling mm-hmm. old joints and making it new, right? It was also, because Diddy was catching a lot of flack for that during that time period about taking the old stuff and well, using yeah. it. Yeah. But like everybody was doing it, because I never picked up on the fact that, yo, they'll play R&B, you had these different songs that were taking like old hip hop beats. And it was, was running with it. The next, you know, gosh, it just just never stopped. I mean, it's like, well, I've heard these records before with better vocals, with, you know, more, you know, for, for me. Yeah. Oh, I wow. know these records, but, and then, then you had Ashanti. Um, with the who, Foolish record, she sampled um, the Switch joint that Biggie sampled. Yeah. It was a Shanti, and then somebody remade um, Foolish. One More Chance. 
which was really weird because I mean I have um it was I like the one. Elder Barge. Yeah. If I want to listen to Elder Bar- to DeBarge, why don't I listen to DeBarge? I don't need you making a R&B remake of Biggie's remake of Elder Barge. It's already exists as an R&B record. So it was Elder Barge. It wasn't Switch. I get them confused because they're brothers. But that was DeBarge. All right, cool. DeBarge, oh, DeBarge, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, exactly. It was, you know, things just, like, stopped making sense. And then it all came down to, gosh, the owner's release party uh, or release the owner's tour with Gangstar. Gangstar. Album was, I like that album too, man. I think, you know, it's formulaic in retrospect. Mm-hmm. All band, you know, Primo's music, but it always works for me. That was like 04 too, right? Uh, was yeah, it 02, like 04? Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I met Transit. And uh, they're headlining the tour, the touring that record. Mm-hmm. And K. Slay is opening. And it's like, oh, that's a weird choice. But, you know, K. Slay was a mixtape. Drama King, yeah. Yeah, Drama King mixtape. It was uh, the mixtape tape DJ of that moment. And um, he opened and just terrible stung up the joint I mean he was great for what he was playing it was just wasn't not his audience at one point he's like you know he's playing Beyonce for Gangstar's audience and everybody's like yo 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 change that which is another story but what y'all don't like Beyonce you don't like Beyonce y'all must be gay or something and we're like nah nah we like to look at it we ain't listen to our music mm-hmm. that was a funny conversation so and and at that it wasn't it just it was just uncomfortable and it was a long set because he wasn't playing anything we wanted to listen to he wasn't playing any hardcore underground rap right. he wasn't playing nothing for Gangstar's audience so Gangstar came out and, and usually they ripped it and but I it's always been a bad night for me in retrospect. Because not only K-Slay and the audience, but the audience itself, man, started getting on my nerves. Everybody wanted to do a cypher, and the and it was, they all wanted to get high. Everybody was all about the blunts in, in the parking lot. And just ciphering and beatbox. Yo, you remember this beat? And just going into the beat. I'm just like, oh. So, you know, I'm just like, got alienated from all aspects of hip-hop at, at that night. 2004 and it's just kind of like uh, and it's hard it's been hard to like give up you always wanted to end and you know Odd Future will always get my money Tyler will always get my money he's a hell of a performer a uh, performer and just he has that he has that you know dry wit his last album I, I truly dug it it was like Flower Scumbag Boy whatever like yeah yeah, but it's, yeah. Dope joint. I haven't even got into it yet. It's just like even from the Goblin, the first record. So he'll get my money. Um, the Digital Age, all my favorites, they just were not putting out stuff that I wanted to uh, to do. I mean, the industry just fell apart. And people always knock the, the recording industry. It's phony and it's, it's, it's drying us up. And, you know, Chuck D had this great this great prophecy about you know the digital age and you'll be able to publish and make your own music 
And it sounds like an amazing thing, and it sounds like the right way to go, but the reality was just a lot of noise. It just produced a lot of noise. It's the wild, wild Nothing west now. organized and really self-indulgence. I right. can't stand self-indulgent music. You need a good producer to um, production. I mean, great artists, competent artists, inspired artists are great. You need every good book needs a good editor. You need to trim a lot of that thread. So it's kind of like hip-hop or artists today. Actually, overall, I can really say they needed a Quincy Jones. They just, I mean, uh, and I'm not even, don't even think I'm being a pessimist and saying it's never going to happen, but mm-hmm. it's just they, we know what rap records sound like. And, you know, like I said, Marley Marl's a Quasar. He hated rap. He knew what rap records sound like. Mm-hmm. He hated it. He said, well, why can't they sound like this? And then put, you know, production into it. And then for the next, like I said, the next five years, everybody was trying not to make anybody. It was a, you're deliberately trying not to make anybody. The people that really love music, yeah. deliberately trying not to make anything that anybody else sounded like. I think De La Soul is my favorite artist, my favorite artist in that respect. And they had a semi-veteran in Prince Paul, you know, DJ for Stetson Sonic. Mm-hmm. Behind them, you know what I mean? And it was like the perfect thing because, you know, they were kind of like, they're from Long Island. They weren't from, you know, from Queensbridge or, you know, these projects. It was from Roosevelt, right? Yeah. From Long Island and they had a really bug such as humor. They they really spoke to me. You know what I mean? Everybody has that one group that really, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. They really identify with. Daylight was it for me. Weren't even necessarily the first native tongue group. That was the Jungle Brothers. Mm-hmm. Um, and I liked the Jungle Brothers a lot, but De La was just everything when they just came out. And still, to, till the day, you know, it's, it's always left field. You never know what to expect. I don't know what the lyrics are for Plug Tune. That was like the record I first fell in love with. I've heard it a thousand times. I don't know what the lyrics are. I can put them together. I know what they sound like. I couldn't recite them to save my life. It's always just an enigma to me. You know what I mean? What's your favorite De La Soul album? Favorite De La Soul album? It's still Three Feet High and Rising to me. Okay. I and Balloon Mind, everybody you know, loves De La Soul is dead. But it's kind of like a weird, it's a weird thing to me. It's like there's too many layers to it. Because, you know, it's they did their record and then they, it's kind of like an inception thing where they did this storybook around the record. Mm-hmm. So the original record they started instead of where Fifi High Horizon was the the game show. The Last Soul is Dead is the record about they started a radio station, and then these other kids are listening to that record. You know Squirrel, what I mean? with yeah, the DJ on exactly. that shit. Yeah. <laughs> And so kids find this De La Soul record about De La Soul, you know, starting his radio station, and they're, like, dissing it during the record. Mm-hmm. And it's an amazing thing. It's, like, just a, a feat of just storytelling and sequencing that nobody's matched. But, you know, it just kind of detracts from the actual music. But Balloon Mind State is a really interesting it's, it's an album about mantras. 
IMIB and Stickerbush, and they just chant. There's all these chants on that record, and it just came out in the same. They were always out of their element, you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. They came out during the you know the Payton Four era, um, with their own thing, and then when things were changing in the '90s, it was the '40s and blunts. They were just you know running through the you know running through the trenches of Patty Duke and always doing something completely different from what everybody else was doing deliberately and coming off not being different for the sake of being different but being great also so Guru's on that record too and I loved him on that record man running through the trenches um just they always make incredible music so yeah but again you know daylight singles uh always reach out to me more than a lot of the than the albums do there's only like 10, I can name 20 albums that, like my top 20 albums are the only albums, like, you know what I mean? Mm. Front to back classics and stuff. Mecca and the Soul Brother. I think Pete Rock and Seal Smooth are like the only, luckily they only did two albums, <laughs> you know, yeah. that were front to back, just solid records. And I think, you know, Pete Rock is just so musical. He's such a music lover. Q-Tip too. He's a manic about music, music for everything else, right. image and everything. He's mad about. He's passionate. You saw his rant about the Grammys and stuff. He's really passionate about music, and he went to the history of it. How you know Led Zeppelin never got nominated, and Jimmy, and all these things, and it's just so. It's it's always come down to a battle. It's not about generations. Because we had records that we hated too. We just had this concept of played out. So, you know, the 12th time we heard Funky Drummer on the beat, we didn't stop listening to that record. We didn't make, we made sure that record wasn't a hit. Whereas now it's just, I don't know, it's that 808 kicks in. And it's just like, oh. yo, so and so dropped a record. Now we'll tune in. I'll stream the record. I do. I do 808 roulette. <laughs> I play each track until the 808 kicks in, until that cadence, that rapping cadence kicks in, and uh, I'll switch through it. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I, you know, I like certain things that Future's done, and you know, but you know, good music will always find you. It doesn't matter. But you know, it's just it, if hip hop shit would be boring, and it bores me. It's weird, man. It's like youth culture should be in your face. You know, it should upset you. And, you know, it's just like modern hip-hop just upsets me for the wrong reason. It just bores me. But I, I That's think... That's upsetting. The reason why... I, I had a thought earlier when we were talking, because I think that... If, the, if you look at the eras that you came up in, right? Mm-hmm. When you had the PE, and you had the, like, these death certificates, and there's American Most Wanted, and different albums that were coming out, even, like... Rakim's father, leader, when like 7% of knowledge was like running rampant in hip hop. Mm-hmm. There was something going on in the culture like that they were fighting against. They were always in a state of rebellion. Like you had crack was going through the neighborhoods, you know, and it was always was a big things, thing. Yeah. Big thing. So you had these people like, yo, cops kicking our asses and we got to speak up and say something. Nowadays, there's no sense of urgency, no rebellion. Well, it's been 30 years, you know. Yeah, but I mean, even in terms of what's happening right now, 
we still have issues. Like people were still getting shot down in the streets. And nowadays it's like if a rapper makes a record like that, mm-hmm. it's just, oh, it's coming with a pro-black record. And people will back up away from that record, mm-hmm. and let it do what it does, mm-hmm. and let it fizzle out, then they get mm-hmm. back to their party records. Because back in the day, like, because oh, yeah. for me coming up, it was like you had that Fight the Power record, and it was everywhere, and right. everybody was with it. You know, nowadays, like, you know, a Kendrick can make a song called Black of the Berry, or you had different songs. You just have a lot of music. Yeah, you true. You a lot of pure, and you're not, you, you control what you listen to. Right. So, in, in 1988, you tune in late at night on a Friday. I still have the clock radio back at my house. That I, I remember. And you, you have these moments. I remember the first time I heard um, uh, Plug Tuning. The first time I heard Rebel Without a Pause. You know what I mean? So, you, you know... You had to tune in. You were focused. Mm-hmm. You were, you know, you tuned into that rap show that was on for two hours on the radio or on basic cable. You tuned in, you know what I mean? And you were there for it. You were present. And now you can just, this is like anything. It's not just hip, not, not even about hip hop. It's like, you know. And it's crazy. It's like, uh, who said it? Salvador Dali or Pablo Picasso said, you know, he's commenting on computers. He said, uh, computers can only give you answers. What's so great about that? Well, it's just giving you what you want. And you don't know what you need. You're not exploring it. You know what I mean? You're not you're not exploring. How how the heck would you know what you like if you're being fed directly? You know what I mean? So it always comes back to the demographic ghetto I was talking about that was built in the 90s. You know, you got your own station. Mm-hmm. You got your own media. You got black Twitter. You know what I mean? Whatever. <laughs> you know, Shave you, on the Twitter you got the people that. that you follow. You yep. know what I mean? This is all catered to you. So there's like five, what, five cable stations catering to black audiences now? Like Centric 1, BT, Black Stars. It's all weird. Right. Yeah. Exactly. You know what I mean? So you can just, you can, if you want to, just tune into that. But you know, your influences are just... Way bigger than that. Way bigger. It's crazy, man. It's... Yeah, man. It's, 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 it's weird. You have access to everything, but you still focus on this one thing. Right. It's kind of like going to Burning Man, you know what I mean? So you're in the desert and supposed to be doing your own thing. And it's just, you know, a thousand people wearing the same fur vest with the cowboy hat. And, you know, the steampunk boots. Yeah. Like, you're missing the point, man. It's like, you know, people always want to. People want to be different. They want to be that different. You know what I mean? People kind of want to stand out to a degree. You know what I mean? So you're just going to always find your own, supposed to find your own name, but it's, what can I tell you, man? It's just, it's, it kind of goes back to what you mentioned earlier about how when the Dog Star album came out on a Tuesday, no, I was buying it. Yeah. They waited somebody else to buy it first so they could hear what it sounds like. Exactly. And they can yeah. get into it. I thought you were like, you know, all about it. 
you know, when it, before it came out, it's like, uh, people more rather be, people find more comfort in being followers than, is, than being leaders or being this original thought. Yeah, and it's just, I don't know. Uncertainty. It's part of being a human being. You don't really, you know what I mean? Yeah. Uncertainty shouldn't be that As scary much as people. you try to run away from that, mm-hmm. like, you know. Oh, I don't work in a cubicle. I couldn't work in a cubicle. I feel bad for people working cubicles. It's like, you know, fine, but you're not really a rebel. You know what I mean? Right. But, you know, yeah, back to your point. It's like, I don't know. Yeah, you can just, you're an algorithm. You're a demographic. They know how to reach you directly. You know what I mean? They're going to keep you in the pocket. Oh, you like this music? Well, this is more music like what you like. It's like Pandora was back in the day. Oh like gosh, this, man. you like this rapper. Check out these rappers. I'm like, I don't like none of these rappers. What are you talking about? Like, <laughs> I'm like, skip, 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 skip it. Yeah, man. Let's go to these three by five cards. See if anything else I left off. Let's see, the, the, the Black American hated rap. Yeah, got that. John Cornelius, uh, so much rain. Friday night, Culture Wars, Power 99, Ready for the World. He seriously has Summer 85, here. yeah. Like, my man has like six uh, six cars here, three by five joints. Yo. Yeah, man. I wrote these out in LA and bought them. He was serious. He took me up. So, yo, man, I'm bringing oh, that cars was, through. Shout out to Hezekiah because he posted on uh, social media. Didn't People didn't know what a rap record sound like. So, it could make they made anything. It could be anything they made it. Right. Nobody knew what a rap record sounded like back in the day. We know what a rap record is supposed to sound like. So you're going to re, you know, replicate that to some degree. Shout out to Hezekiah, man. He's a good good cat. Always stayed in his own lane. Yeah. True artist. He'll be on the show well in, in the future as well in oh, 2018. My, so many people. So many people. But yeah. So yeah, there we go. This goes back to your point. So 1977, if you wanted to listen to rap, you had to go to the Bronx. You had to leave your city if you heard about it. Mm-hmm. Malcolm McLaren did this. He was a Sex Pistols producer. He was in New York. And, you know, through whatever... Um, Malcolm McLaren, a Sex Pistols producer, produced one of my favorite early hip-hop records, Duck Rock. Which is like a weird thing that people were doing back in the day, aside from the... Um, novelty comedy records they were uh you're doing rap hybrid so you know for Malcolm McLaurin a lot of rap sounded like you know um uh square dance calling mm-hmm. and auctioneering that you know it's fast talking that was the big thing it's kind of like what Buffalo Girls sound like a little bit right right yeah okay so yeah Buffalo Girls is off that that LP yeah so um so he's in New York, and he, you know, he actually had to go to New York and get a train uptown. He's only be the only white guy on that train, and find that party and talk to Africa Ben Bada, who's over six, like something like six five, and this giant kid that you have to talk to. And you know, luckily Ben Bada was accepting of him, and he kind of recognized who he was, and he's like, "Well, you know, stick around, see what we're doing." That was Malcolm McLaurin's investment in things it was a big investment back in the in the 90s um you can do it on a laptop now but dj scratch all these cats it was you had to 
you had to believe in yourself and you had to make that investment in your lab. Right. A lot of money. Equipment was not cheap. Okay, those samplers weren't cheap. The MPs were not cheap. They're still not. They were sizable back then, too. They weren't like just small things, programs you can kill on your computer. Oh, my God. You needed, you know, there was uh, just big time and effort and just carrying those crates if you're a DJ. And, you know, luckily, things could have been different. We didn't have that blackout of 77 where everybody stole their, you know, purloined their uh, equipment. But, no, like, back to the 80s and 90s, you, you really, you really had to be great. For people to believe you, those audiences had to believe in you. You had to show and prove on a stage, and you had to throw a ton of money into your home. And you know, your black kid in the hood, Marley Moss slept with this sampler, so nobody would, uh, you know, mess with it. Mm-hmm. Nobody would just, you know, what I mean? nobody would touch it while he was sleeping. He would unplug it and lie next to it while he was sleeping in the studio. If anybody was over there, okay. So, you know, it's just a huge investment, and digital just makes it accessible. You know what I mean? There's still, you know, laptops aren't cheap, but you can get everything. I have every piece of equipment I ever wanted in a um, on the app in this in my bag called a uh, tabletop on my iPad. Spent thirty dollars, got the Dream eighty nine Studio, emu- all emulators. If I made something on it, you would have to have a pretty um, jaded, you know, pretty trained ear to know the difference. But it can all be done. It's all right there. So it's all accessible, you know what I mean? And it's a big part of it. You really had to believe in yourself, and you really had to spend the money. There's no halfway, <laughs> halfway of doing it, you know what I mean? So that was a very real thing. But I feel like that's how it is now. Because like anything that you're doing now, investing in yourself is the key. Because mm-hmm. back then people were spending X amount of dollars on equipment. So nowadays it's like if you're doing a podcast. Yep. You got to spend money on just the you know the recording equipment, mics, soundboards, recorders, X, Y, Z. You know, that just shows you how much you uh, that you love what you do. It shows level level of dedication. So back to the criticism, mm-hmm. you know, and everybody's a critic, and everybody is you know. A say on Twitter, but you know, it's just their say. You know, everybody's talking about rap objectively. Where, you know, back in the day, if you wanted to, best way to criticize the music was to make a better record. Right. So, you know, Latifah and MC Light did not make think pieces, post think pieces on their, you know, they didn't blog about it. They made better records. So, most of the misogynists, you know, men's only club in the world. And they just made the best records. You know, they combated all that with amazing records. That was that was their, you know, the criticism. You know what I mean? That's how they combated that. That's how they made it. Undeniable what? today. These records are undeniable. Nobody's really playing them mm-hmm. because they weren't necessarily sex-based. Right. Where all your first lady raps... From Little Kim to Foxy, Remy Ma Trini, to Trina, Nikki, Trina, yeah, pretty much sex base. Yeah, people want to hear that freaky shit. Yeah, like, well, people do. Yeah. Oh my God. <laughs> no, um, <laughs> um, Jerome. So Martin, 
Jerome Martin is a real Jerome Martin. Lives in New York. Mm-hmm. He's a construction worker. I used to work uh, winter in '96. I got a seasonal job, best job, best retail job in the world. Virgin Megastore, Times Square, center of the world, center store, the center of the world. People still buying records. Jerome, in the form of this construction worker, came in. Say, man, you got any more records like uh, uh, Foxy Brown, that little Kim? You know, I need some real filmy records. I'm like, huh? Did you just say filmy records? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Anything like that? I'm like, and you know, that definitely wasn't my lane. But yeah, filmy records. So I know what he's talking about. And they made, rec- made records. Foxy and Lil' Kim, they made records. Not my favorite records, but they made solid records. After all the hype died down. Hot spot. Was that Foxy's? That was Foxy on his second album. Second, um, oh my God, I love that record. China Dog, yeah. Amazing record. Um, Hardcore. Lil' Kim's Hardcore was like, set a precedent for like. Oh, yeah. We had the banner at the Virgin Megastore. Oh, 30 yeah. by 30 foot by 30 foot banner hanging over me. Spread legs. I need to get that poster. Yeah, it's out there somewhere. Somebody in New York has it. Probably the Jerome, the uh, construction <laughs> worker. My filming records. Uh, got any of them filming records? <laughs> Did you just say that loud? <laughs> Came in just dusty. It was Sims <laughs> and uh, his construction suit. And he had like a, he had like an afro. And, no, he had like a perm, like like Jerome, like Romy Rome. My old man said, filming records. He said, filming. Got any more filming records like Foxy Brown, Lil' Kim? Oh, that's nasty. But, uh... So, yeah, that's Light and Latifah. <laughs> do, not, uh, do not sleep on those early recordings. Uh, All Hail the Queen, front to back. 45 King, right? 45 King production, front to back. Mm-hmm. Classic in my book. Yo, because here's the thing about Latifah, like, you talk about uh, instead of making vlogs and like think pieces, they made better records. Yeah, when Latifah dropped this another day, I said, "Yo, this is crazy." Right. And she came with you and I see why. That was like her, like her stance and like, listen, you can try me if you want out here. You'll see what I'm really about. And I, I love that about her. I love her, like her courageousness and her confidence in her music, man. No doubt. So I probably why, like, of all, you know. I don't like to use the word female MC or femc or nothing like that, but all ladies who rap. I hate femc. It's my favorite. It's, it's the best. And nobody ever puts Light or Latifah in the top. They don't. Five. I always put Light in my top. She was number five. Sorry. <laughs> Queen is up there for me. Like my number one up there. You know what I'm and saying? And it's, it's always a fluid uh, thing, but she just just had the voice. And it's mostly voice is a lot of that performance. It always came back to performance for me. I feel like Rhapsody is in that. I think Latifah might, same, as far as range. vocal performance, I mean, she's an amazing singer too, but... Dana Owens. Her records are amazing. Yeah, Black Rain was... I like that. That was a dope record. Black Rain was a dope record. Yeah. It was, it like was kind of... But it, another trend we never spoke on, the Coming Back Hard, 1993. I've seen it all, man. So the response to... Uh, MC Hammer, uh, please Hammer, don't hurt him. And to the extreme, Vanilla Ice. Uh, nobody wants to do a pop record. They came pariah as quick. People love those records. They were platinum records. Everybody bought them, mm-hmm. and they needed to be told that they were whack. That was an interesting thing that happened. That they sold all these records, and then you know, there were the. Hip hop did have a saying things like, "Yo, you like this? these records are whack." And then he's like, "Oh man, these records are whack." <laughs> like everybody bought it, like you know, kind of turned on it. They weren't defending 
hammer vanilla ice. He's like, okay. So the industry, interesting thing. And I always say vanilla ice is one of the most influential artists in a weird way. Because he just, everybody hated him. Everybody ran from the whole pop label so hard. Mm-hmm. 1993 was a year going back hard and just pick up everything. You look at records that. Carhartt Fest. Even light, you know. Roughneck song she had out. Mm-hmm. I hated that song, dude. Even like now, listen to it now. I'm like, what the hell is this? Which one? Uh, the, the song. I want Roughneck. Oh, yeah, Roughneck. Yeah. Off of the Ain't No Other album. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, you look at all the records that came out in 91, 92. Mm-hmm. Look at the aesthetic. Look at the colorful clothes and the clothes were, you know. They had graduated from the Dapper Dan look, and everything was kind of baggy and colorful, color blocks. Everything was covered out. Right. Uh, uh, see, to the extreme, and please hammer hurt them. Come back, the backlash comes. Everybody's Carhartt. The vest. Carhartt Dickies. Apache was dressing that. Oh my God, Apache. Um, who else am I thinking of at the, at the time? Um, and it's like, hold up, wait it. You were doing, everybody was doing their own thing. 89, 90, 91. Yep. Then those big trends started. Then the 40s and the blunts come. Yeah, because like, cause I, I think, uh about nature, they had that look, but that was their look from, that was, that was Jersey. Look. That was their everybody thing. Everybody jacked their look. That was the authentic look. Yep. Yes. Even um, remember the beanie with the with the, the tie off, tie off on top. Yeah, yeah, because everybody the had that after a while. That was a jail fashion. That was prisoners were like you know just it was some way there's some way apparently you can tear up a it's like you can stab somebody with a toothbrush you can turn a t shirt into a hat. <laughs> and the overalls they had out back in the day, the the jeeps with the, with the doors off, yes. with the tin boots. Yeah, everybody was, was like, everybody was just. Everybody had a utensil. Trudge had his chainsaw. Mm-hmm. People coming out with size. Bob Deep had, um, oh my God, everybody had the garden weasel. Yeah, in the joint. And What's... everybody had the video with the uh, the brothers swinging the utility lamp. <laughs> 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 and in the abandoned lot. But that's why I didn't like, well, she had one song I, I, I liked. But when, we love it now, but back in the day, it's like, well, this isn't the diverse thing that I. When I, Boss came out, oh, Boss indeed, yeah, man. Like Boss had the ones going deeper, and the, and the beat was fire, but it was just like, yo, rap wise, I'm like, yo, why are you, why are you cursing like this, man? Yeah, I'm, I'm like nine, eight, nine years old. Why are you cursing a lot right now, man? And she was like a school teacher or something, and she was like really smart. Yeah. I saw an interview with her and her uh, her, uh, her 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 DJ indeed. friend. You know what yeah. I'm saying? And her partner, whatever she was. Boss and D. Yeah. And she's like, yeah. And she was talking to us. What's going on with you, boss? You know, it's keeping it real for the streets out here, you know? It was crazy. I'm like, what do you, what? I'm like, and, and that became a thing in, in rap, like, you're keeping it real for the streets. I'm like, you're not even. Became the thing, yeah. I'm like, y'all not even out here, y'all not even street people like that. Not street, from Baldwin Hills. And they addressed it on the album, you know. It was kind of. In retrospect, it was kind of, she put the drag on, but she acknowledged it. Yeah. Very much so, man. And again, street fashions, you know, everybody became about the label, the music, the, you know, the clothing label. 
in addition to the music. Yeah. And, you know, it was before it was always that DIY punk aspect to it where you know you just buy whatever, you know, you make your own style. But then Versace you know, came out there. Yeah. Gucci labels. But that's probably one thing about about uh Redman that I, I will say I always enjoyed. Mm-hmm. Even through the era of the Big Willy era, yeah. He still dressed how he wanted to dress. Like he wasn't out here spending like you might see him with some big crazy glasses, right. but his but his style was always what it was. I remember watching the pick it up video. Yeah. He was just T-shirt well, his cribs episode was the legendary. Yo, there's nothing else I can ever talk about. You know, whatever. You hate lists, but you want to talk about landmark moments in hip hop. It's like everybody's always going to talk about that. Whereas every other episode of that is an empty mansion with a plasma screen TV. A rented crib, a yeah. That was, it was, and that's why he's, uh, people want to realize that he might be the good. People been so solid, man. Talking about it, damn it, twenty years later. Absolutely, you know. Again, it's just people. I don't know. It's always you all the genuine stuff will always come to the surface. Yes, indeed. Um, I think that's everything on my three by five cards. Oh yeah, forgot about this. So Def Jam was cool. Right. You know, Def Jam is the always be the. Uh, the label of hip hop, as you know, Motown is the soul and Blue Note is the jazz. Russell Simmons. There are uh, more deeper Blue labels in all those um, both those genres and all the genres. But Def Jam, you know, is and it was a definite sound and it's weird, man. They actually, you know, um, uh, Slayer is a Def Jam record. You know what I mean? Uh, that was Rick's idea. So this is like Def Jam records you never hear about. So you know about Public Enemy and LL and and so forth. And then they kind of just like, you know, they put out hip-hop R&B when it was popular. And that's where it kind of lost it. It's kind of followed the money. And they kind of lost their face. But Def Jam was cool. Rush Artist Management, though. They had everybody. That was the best. And that's what created that era that I love so well. Everybody had the logo. You know who these people were. You saw them live. They brought them to your city. Did he manage EPMD? I think it was EPMD, Jazzy Jeff from the Fresh Prince, uh, Eric B. and Rakim. Mm -hmm. And that's why we know all those records, you know, all those artists um, and all those records by those artists today because of Rush Artist Management. That's crazy. Because he just, you know, they just built that infrastructure that wasn't there. And the logo was the same, you know, Jazzy Jeff. You can see Jazzy Jeff's and Fresh Prince original logo in your head. Run DMC's logo, Public Enemy's logo, uh, Eric B and Rakim, that whole image. And the best tour, you know, went to the back to school tour. I think it was eighty eight at Spectrum, another of those artists just performed mm-hmm. one after the other. It was an amazing night. So they really put it on. Um so yeah, Jeff Jam gets all the glory. But Rush Artist Management, it was Russell's, that was the best thing that, probably the best thing that ever happened to the industry. I used to see it all the time, like in the, in like the, the booklets for albums, or even on the back of records, it was like, I would see yeah. like Rush Management. Yeah. And I knew Rush. who, I already knew a Rush, that's Russell Simmons right there. Mm-hmm. But I never, I definitely had the information to know he had the, the label on the side, and he had his management there at the same time, right. too. 
because I once thought they were all one and the same. Mm-hmm. But I'm like, no, this, this, nah, this yeah. is Atlantic, this has Epic, this has World Block. Sony doesn't take Def Jam anywhere near here, but yeah. I see Rush Management. This Run DMC was on profile. Yeah. Whatever we, well, you've seen Crush Groove, that's kind of what Crush Groove is supposed to be about. Yeah, but, uh, you know, Blair Underwood does not look like Russell Simmons. Fat boys running through Sbarro's. Yeah. Getting mad yeah. pizza. And then, uh, then Sheila E was in there. Yeah. That's because, you know, Purple Rain was big. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah you couldn't even, the the definite, definitive hip-hop movie of all time just couldn't survive on hip-hop alone. You needed that Purple Rain element in there. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, you know, Russell gets a lot of criticism, but, you know, he just sat on his couch for years eating popcorn and making phone calls, making sure that black people could get paid. And, you know, it had to lose a lot of its... Um, and so I know no addition was also in that movie besides Chili. Yes. Yeah. You're right. So That's R&B. right. Oh, yeah. You had to you had to fill seats. And, you know, you could have done what we're in DMC in. There were other R&B Hello's groups that one too, weren't they? Uh, if I doing that showcase? Might have been. I think so. Yeah. Yeah. So, Crush Groove came out, you know, there was no other, you know, it was breaking and Ice-T and the Glove were in that one, but, you know, it was more about, you know, it wasn't yeah. even about breaking, it was about pop logging. Yeah, B Street. And B Street was Harry Bar- Harry Belafonte's contribution, and even then it was, you know, break dancers dance to funk breaks from the 70s and not electro, from the 60s and 70s and not electro of the 80s, you know, the Arthur Baker stuff that they put in the movie. Mm-hmm. Um, So, yeah, this is, Compromise. Hip hop's always just been about comp- compromise. Even and we've seen it coming. We saw it happen in rock and roll and prog rock and punk rock and all that. Mm-hmm. But you know, it's always seemed to you know. Rock has always tried to seem put this facade facade of being genuine, even when everybody was selling out. You know, even as all the hippies aged. It still wanted to keep that veneer, even though as fake as it was. You know what I mean? Yeah. So it's always been a constant struggle, whereas the hip hop has always been about money. This is the definitive, you know, it's a, in a lot of aspects, it's only our footwear selling out is the point. That's why you're getting into it. You know what I mean? And, you know, that's the, for me, the greatest image is that the hip hop, the, uh, cover of paid in full it says it all right there so it's that aspirational part but you know there's music behind that you know what i mean it was a hell of a marketing tool i love that yeah because you, you think this is all about the money you get to right. actual rhymes it's like these guys are on well why kim was like on a different level in yeah. the writing even then and eric b and you know, everybody talks about eric b sloppy as dj whatever it actually had a sound though man he like you know he knew music he knew he knew how to pick a sample. Yeah. He knew how to pick the beat. They had a nice four album run. They had a solid run. It was weird. None only two of those records were on the same label. It was like you and I and Prison was it uh, Fourth and Broadway and then MCA. I think the last two were MCA. Yeah. Because Fourth and Broadway was the first one was on Fourth and Broadway, yeah. right? Then the second one was like Uni, you and, yeah, you and I records. I thought like they had two different album covers. It was the same shop with different I don't know. I feel like I had two versions of that album yeah. around somewhere. But yeah, 
But yeah, like that, that, that last album, they ended on like a high note because they had no the ledge and had uh sweat the technique. Yeah. With uh for a young Wyclef playing um playing the bass in a video, something like that, or playing oh, really? sax. I never noticed it. Yeah, I, I was I was watching Don't Sweat the Technique video because he was in his mansion with all these girls dancing around. It's a bizarre video, man. It is, and I'm like, Yeah, yeah, five percenters, but yeah, you had the, the sleep video, like because I've never seen him around women like that in a video. Never. It was all just, the records are raw. I mean, all the videos are raw. The whole image was it was the nineties though. Yeah, 90s, 91, 90, no, it was 92 by then, right? Yeah. That last record came out. I actually have the uh, Eric B's rap record, the soul rap record. Yeah, the rap record? Yeah. It's a weird thing. I can imagine that it is. Yeah, I've never heard Eric of it till now. I have it. I mean, I collect stuff like that. All right. That's my favorite <laughs> part of the culture, just, you know, I always go in for the odd stuff, just in general. Comic books, whatever I'm collecting, t-shirts, hats. Mm-hmm. The whole thing I'm into back in, in L.A. is, but yeah, I always get that. I always go for the oddest things if I can if I can get it. Your Ron's collection is ridiculous, man. Things I've seen I've seen him find, and like in L.A. and various places, it's just like, oh yeah, it's top. It's just top notch stuff. Because I'm just kind of like over records, you know what I mean? Yeah, and there's definitely rat records in the back of my head that I know I heard once. I heard on uh, Stretch of Barbito or I heard it on Lady B or Radioactive mm-hmm. back in the day. And that would bug me. I'll look out I'll look out for those records. Freddie Fresh is a DJ from Minnesota, I believe. He does he does a lot of like techno and stuff, but he produced uh he collects uh he compiled um the rap records. Mm-hmm. It's an almanac of every early rap record up to a point. So, you know, just stuff like that, just the, the odd stuff. You know, the stuff that was hot on the box or BET for like a week. Rappenstein. Uh, Rappenstein, Jesus. Um, you know, This Is A Visit. What's the, what was that name of that group? Bosco Money and... Um, oh gosh, I'm drawing a blank. Uh, the Rumpel Tilskins. Uh, the Youngsters, the Illy Funksters. Yeah. Stuff like that. I had those albums, man. I'll make you famous. I'll make you famous, man. Yeah, that one song. Verbal Glock. With them. Verbal Glock, man. I found, I had to I had to find that single. I found it at Brewery Town Beats. Amazing, just hardcore Philly rap record. But it was, you know, it was a product. You know what I mean? Let me laugh. Like, people were like, yeah, my lyrical nine. I got verbal glocks. Just it's glad the white raps like that anymore. It's just man. A, yeah, man. That's crazy. So it was an incredible, you know, it's, that's that's what I live for. So I know, you know, it's like if I can't go for the new music, I'll just go for what I missed or, you know, what caught my ear for you know that weird spell mm-hmm. back in the day. And I'll you know dig that up. It always remains fresh for me. So if you have that, do you do you also have Jamal's? Uh, Phase them all. Yeah, of course. Cause that single has the album has. I have, a, I have a lot of verses of that for some reason. Yeah, the Pete Rock remix of Phase them all was. Uh, I don't think like there was no more. Oh huh? my gosh, Mike Geronimo, 
It's just it's a flood of just things. Just those one offs, you know. Everybody gets a single from it. You know what I mean? Well, flush has some even joints. rappers, even rappers that I hate. I'll have you know everybody has one song that you're gonna like. Any artist in general. Cause it was a dude from New York who had a single that I love from '94. A dude named Nine. Oh yeah, what you want? Yeah, yeah. But as far as albums, I don't know nothing about it. That's Funkmaster Flex's boy. Ah, okay. Um, then uh, did he come? Yeah, he had the album. Ill and I'll scratch yeah, had the want? two joints that I liked, but like Ill and I'll scratch. Uh, I'll take it was you know, but like the main one I liked was Zero My yeah, Homies. Yeah, Homies. That was my dream. But as far as the album, I don't know nothing about Smooth that. The man. Hustler, Trigger the Gambler, Front to Back, Classic Records, uh, Crew, The Dirty Thirty. Nobody yeah. for that record. It's an amazing record front to back. Yeah, everybody on that. Tracy Lee was on it from Philly was on there. They had Antoinette starts as the first uh as the first verse on the record. MC Lights Nemesis. And then she's not on the rest of the record at all. It's just such a bizarre, such a well produced LP. It's amazing. It reminds me of that um of that concept album Prince Paul put out. Uh-huh. Um we had all these different rappers playing different parts. Oh, psychoanalysis. Oh no, um what um what was it? Um, uh, didn't Everlast play a cop on that album? Yeah, I know what you're talking about. I can't think of it. Um, yeah. And Prince Paul is my, probably my favorite producer. He just really speaks to me. Like I spoke about it earlier. Because, um, yeah, Politics of the Business, which is about, you know, the rap industry. Mm-hmm. Hip-Hop Gold Dust, which is, you know, his outtakes album. Psychoanalysis, which is kind of like all skits, basically. You know what I mean? It's like, what if you made an album that was all skits, but the music is, this is incredible. Definitely worth seeking out. So, yeah, it's like a lot of unplayed music there that's definitely worth seeking out. And mm-hmm. So, yeah, you don't have to go for all the new stuff. You can find, but you know, some good music, good music will always find you. Indeed. I will be diplomatic in that respect, but, you know, it's a mess. It's always been a mess. It's got a it's got a structured mess, and you know a lot of great artists uh, have gone unnoticed, and a lot of bad artists have gained popularity. But you know, you gotta, you know, I wouldn't worry about your culture being appropriated. <laughs> <laughs> a lot of that to me is just you know just they let them let them have it. <laughs> Let him appropriate it. Man. Just come, you just have to come up with something better. There's nothing new under the sun. They're always going to appropriate your culture. Just keep running. I'm making a confession to you right now. Mm-hmm. Well, not only confession is, you know, I don't, people might not like this, but I don't care. Like, yeah. people got upset about Katy Perry. Her video, she had like the long nails and the braids, and she was on different, like, cultural stuff. Yeah. Right? It didn't bother me. Mm-hmm. Because I'm like, first of all, like I know she's not doing it to be, like malicious. I know she's doing it because like these are th- these are certain things that fascinate her about people about other people's cultures. Yeah, and I'm like, and plus, you know what it is for me? I've seen a lot worse. Yeah, done by other people throughout the years. So something like that was like, eh, whatever. Because I've seen a lot worse done. You know, that has really, like, offended me. But, like, something like that, nah. And I didn't, you know. Uh, okay. You know, I just. Well, I mean, I've been privy to a lot of the machine, the pop and the, the music machine in L.A. right now in general. And, um, 
give artists and a lot of them just don't have a say. They have stylists and they have teams. Right. The team dictates stuff. So I think her team dictated that to her. And, you know, that's just the thing, especially between Katy Perry and Taylor Swift and Miley Cyrus. Ugh, it's sense. all about the team and what the team dictates. Right. And her team does may have, like, some brown faces. Yeah, in the mix, you know what I mean, calling out shots with they should have. Yeah, I mean, everybody's it's it's all check related. It's weird. It's like everything is so disjointed to me, man. It's like producer was doing everything, and that's the the main thing we got. It's not about the the rapper. It's I know you love Dipset. Everybody loves Dipset, 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 right? Now, do you love Dipset or do you love just Blaze? That's a good question. Um, I'm a fan of the Just Blaze. Yeah. And check this out. Like, I like Dipset. Like, I like the first Diplomatic Community album. Yeah. But am I going to say I'm, I'm the biggest Dipset fan of all time? Mm-hmm. Hell no. Yeah. But, like, back when they were out, it was one of them things where, like, listen, if you ain't like Dipset, then you wasn't down. So, oh, we all, okay. so we all had to like Dipset when Dipset was out. You know gotcha. what I'm saying? But now yeah. I'm, nowadays I'm like, I'm all right. I can listen to a couple albums, couple some joints, but I'm not out here trying to wear like uh, you know American flag uh, oh throwback gosh. outfits, like like my man Joel's had on that video. You know what I'm saying? Gosh. I don't, I don't, no, nah, I don't care about that. Hey, hey, it was a thing. You know it was a mean? thing. It's a thing like any other thing. Just like Dapper Dan, it was a thing. Just like the jail hats, the jail t-shirt, twisty hat. Oh it's a thing. It's like, so you yeah, know. People come by things honestly, you know what I mean? Yeah. I'm glad I have Yeah, so, like you that. know, just think just think in terms of the production. Would you really like that rapper if with a different track behind it? No, nah, I, mean, I think that's the reason why like, one of my favorite rappers, AZ, never really caught on like that for a while because the production he had was never where it needed to be. Right. You know what I'm saying? So, yeah, there you go. So, that was like the, you know, the... Definitely the fallout of Elmatic. We always talk about it. You know what I mean? It was produced by a committee. Yep. Like I said, you know, a large professor had produced it front to back. I would have probably appreciated it more just because that's what I was used to. I was used to Marley Mall and Biz Markey. Mm-hmm. You know, Cool V was the DJ, but Marley Mall was behind the board and Ivan Doc Rivera, the engineer, engineer, huge thing, huge thing for me. So I wonder who produced Biz Marquis Spring Again. Um, was that, I think was that he cool did it himself. He, a lot of that record he produced himself. A lot of that joint, man. Um, my favorite Biz Marquis song is Spring Again. But yeah, always, I don't know, it's just the engineering. It's always more than just uh, what you see. Just how records were made. It's, just appealed to me back then. Mm-hmm. That's a huge general generational thing. Uh, a lot of DJ, or a lot of our DJ friends are always championing. You know, there's new music if you have to seek, you know, seek it. And to me, there's a lot of competent music, mm-hmm. but the this just the foundation how things are recorded now. Now everything's just digital. I don't know. It's, just it's too like clean. Analog recordings it's too clean bro you know the records just don't soar they just kind of sit there the most it could be the most you know competent 
beautiful vocalist, but it's just kind of like it's coming at me. It's a huge thing in engineering and just the infrastructure of the culture. It's always something I look at. Not to sound too pretentious, but, you know, whatever. No, nah, I mean, because it goes to the back to the thing with us liking what we like, because I'll tell you right now, mm-hmm. I'm watching uh, the Wrecking Crew documentary. Okay. And just seeing, because yeah. there were songs, again, I didn't, I didn't know how they were made. Right. Or I watched a Brian, uh, well, main man from the Beach Boys. Brian Wilson? Brian Wilson. Watched, oh, my like, gosh, yeah. His, his stories, and, you know, getting these ideas how everything comes up mm-hmm. like just what went into the record what went into like producing these records mm-hmm. how they were in these big rooms with these with these bands and these, you know these uh, yeah. these well trained like musicians mm-hmm. and how, why like you'll see these, these people in, in this room performing and then you hear the song and you're like oh my god how did such a small group of people create a song such such a big sound right like there's a song uh that Tina Turner did with uh, I can Tina Turner she was yeah. with Ike at the time oh, it, Phil Spector yeah yeah it, River Deep Mountain High yeah. yeah that's it River Deep Mountain High and it's just such a humongous song yeah but you see how it actually was, was performed mm-hmm. it was like oh she has this and these all these musicians always around her right Phil they, Spector man wall sound and yeah and playing her ass off but yet, even even though you see these musicians here as a group, right, doing it, and then you hear the actual song, it's yeah. just like wow. She is just it's, it's mind blowing. I gotta watch more about Phil Spector because all I know about Phil Spector as of late is just yeah. oh yeah craziness. And Al Pacino played him in the movie. It's all your um, that's your legacy, man. You gotta watch what you're doing. Uh, Ike Turner is probably the greatest American musician that ever lived. This incredible pianist and guitar player, and he's always going to be connected to domestic form, abuse. First and foremost, of domestic abuse, first foremost and last for a lot of people. So, because I read, um, I read about a story. I don't know where I read. I wasn't was in the book. I don't know where it was at, but mm-hmm. pretty much he just he said how back in the day in the eighties, he was high as hell. Oh, yeah. So getting high. So, so when he was he was high, he signed off the rights to his story yeah. for her book. So when it came out, he was in jail. Yeah. When, when, he, when he got out, movie had come out. Mm-hmm. And, you know, he's got life back together. You know what I mean? No more narcotics. You know what I mean? He was, yeah. he was clean. Clean. But when he got out, he came out into a world that was like, yo, we hate Ike Turner, yo. Because right, right. what he saw in the movie. Yeah. And he was like, yo... He's, okay, I guess he said that one of the scenes, the rape scene that happened in the movie, so that uh, never yeah, happened. In the studio, yeah. Yeah, he said there were things that, were, that, were ha- that happened in the movie that never happened in real life. Mm-hmm. I think even they asked Tina about certain things. She was like, yeah, that didn't happen, but I guess they did that for the movie to make it actually, actually dramatic. Right. But like, yeah, like I heard tons of, of great things about Ike Turner on the music side. Yeah. But again, like you said, through the legacy. The legacy. And all that went down. And it's not about music. I mean, I mean you got really got to be a music lover, man. You know what I mean? Yeah. People love the scandal and the gossip of hip-hop. And, you know, loving hip-hop. You know, no music. You know, the only attachment to the music is that, you know, these are music veterans. Industry veterans are on this show. Mm-hmm. Um, 
doing whatever, <laughs> you know, making a life after the fact. You know what I mean? Right. Because you look so, at Jay Z's um, recent album, Four Forty Four, talk about legacies. People were more in tune to the cheat on Beyonce rather than him making an, like an actual oh, album. Yeah, listening. To, yeah, exactly. Just, just to answer the lemonade. I'm like, yo, why don't we just focus on the music, like you said? Yeah. Ain't about the music anymore. Yeah, Hope was weird. You know, you could tell he he's a music lover, but yeah. I don't know. This I think there's some disconnect there. Um, Same with Nas too, in a way. Yeah, yeah. Nas has, uh, as House Shoes pointed out, he's really bad at picking beats. Ten ear, everybody says yo, ten ear, yeah. Uh, yeah. But you know, it's all about you know. He made some amazing records. I can't, you know. That's the that's the good thing about the digital age. You can do a la carte music. You know what I mean. Pick out what you want. Yeah, you can play. You know, I give you power and leave out. You know the the James Cagney rap that he did. <laughs> Whatever. You know. Yo, here's my question mm-hmm. about Nas. You're a veteran here. Yes. Is he owns a chicken restaurant in my neighborhood? He does. Yeah. What's up, the Nas? Yeah. Saw him outside at once. I was like, wow. Nasir Jones. Yeah. I saw Nas and Sylvester Stallone like in the same half hour on Sunday. I love LA, man. I was I need to visit LA one mm-hmm. of these days. There's a question, yo. Yep. Is uh is Nas you owe me that bad of a record? You owe me? Doing with the Timberland joint oh, Timberland a record. It's a great Timberland record. It is a great Timberland record, man. But people always like, it's a whack record. I'm like, wow. I'm like, in the club? It works. Yeah, it does. Even as instrumental, it's fire. You know what I'm saying? So, like. Yeah. Oh, I love it a lot, lot more than uh, Hate Me Now. Yeah. Yeah, it's, you know, oh, we're going to, you know, sample the uh, the movie trailer song. Yeah, you're going to, the old uh, O Fortuna. Yes. The Latin joint. I had to yeah. sing that song in high school. But yeah, that's not a, you know. It, it's just, I feel like it's just, it's, there was a Nas song. Mm-hmm. It should be just called Puff Daddy featuring Nas, yo. Yeah. Then, you know, it had the whole controversy about, not controversy, but the whole fact that, you know, Crucifus. the hitmen yeah. did that whole catalog. You know what I mean? And Puff, you know, executive produced it and he picked some of the beats and stuff. But, mm-hmm. you know, another, um, you know, polarizing, possibly the most polarizing figure in hip hop. And those are, that's what I, I look for. You know, that's where all the curves. That's, that's what fascinates me. Mm-hmm. Positivity bores me. The polar, <laughs> polarizing aspects yeah. of these people is always what I go for. Vanilla Ice, mm-hmm. Lil Wayne, uh, Puffy, Kanye, um, even in, you know, in terms of the smaller world that we lived in, you know what I mean? I just, I just love, I love doing rap postmortems. I listen to Can I Bust religiously now, just trying to figure out what wrong with the record. Why, you know, why Clef, who produced, you know, the score and, you know, even his first album, The Carnival, is, oh my God, what an amazing record. Bubble record. Goose is my shit on that album, dude. Yeah. He did a it did back to back great albums and and this guy who you know you had Rakim then you had Nas and this guy was gonna you know be the next Nas to Rakim what you know what Nas to Rakim 
he was going to beat you nice. Right. Second knockout was a crazy joint. Just the beat selection is weird and the the the, the, and the skits are weird. And the first single was about, you know, um The Mom. Well, wasn't the first single was second round knockout? I no, well, yeah. I mean that was a single that was his coming out single oh, period. Street. Yeah. Was it I Honor You? Was that one by I Honor You is the first uh and you know, it's just such a weird subject matter for your first song. And he's such you know, you don't know what's it? Uh Get Retarded is my the track on it I genuinely like. Can we say retarded on the podcast? Yeah, you can. You can. Okay. We're not calling anybody retarded. Yeah, We're exactly. saying the songs. Objectively yeah. the name of the song. Um and you know, you don't know the sequence to the Human Genome Project. That's that's his that's his diss on that record. It's like what a weirdo and what a weird. <laughs> it's, it's just a weird record, man. And the beats so it just don't connect, and the samples are strange. Yeah, it was all over the place, and I'm like, I was kind of disappointed in Wyclef and my dude. And the covers, you know, was looked like it was made on in a in in a paint. <laughs> my, my favorite songs paint. on the album was What's Going On. Don't even. I couldn't tell you what. I mean, I listen to the record all the time. It was like going, like it gets the storyline of the song. I did go into a club. People so they start shooting in the club now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he samples Havoc. Uh, I'm trying to sneak in the ratchet. Some kind of some line really? like that. Yeah, but like yeah, man. It's even trigonometry was like. <laughs> oh, one about trigonometry. I'm sorry, yeah, trigonometry. <laughs> What up? Why they call it trigonometry? Okay, because on a vi- music video it on a box, called, oh yeah, they, they it's called trigonometry. It. Was there a video for that? Oh my god! Or it was like I honor you. Then it went into like half that into trigonometry. I don't know, it's but like, just, know. but it was called trigonometry. It was I'm like, like you know, I just fascinated by it because it's like the most high profile flop in rap, probably. You know what I mean? Yo, he came out and performed a nineteen ninety eight music video awards, and and all silver paint. Did he? Oh yeah, I remember. Like you know, like he was performing on the, on the boulevard. Yeah, man. With a whistle. <laughs> he said, "I am the man, the cannabis man." He gave out on stage with that shit. I said, "Oh my god, yo!" What's going on? Yo, perfect. all his records are just really bizarre. I mean, he's just—I don't know. This is the thing that he's on. Then in 2000 BC, paired him with Wyclef, and Wyclef didn't deliver. And I'm just doing these postmortems, man. I have access to all these records that I never would have normally paid money for, and I can, like, you know, pick them apart and dissect them. Because he was in the I'll same that. era as, like, you know, that, uh, that historical video that's all over YouTube of, like, all these artists around the table. It's John Forte, mm-hmm. it's Cannabis, it's Big Pun, it's, like, DMX, Most Def, and some other random people who I don't know. But... You know, everybody's spitting their verse, and Cannabis spits his verse from a second round knockout. Mm-hmm. DMX is there. He was like, oh, man. He coming at, at old boy? What? He spits the whole verse. People are like, oh, man, it's crazy. And everybody had these high hopes for Cannabis. Like, he was on the Lost Boys joint piece from the East. Of course. With Red Man, the A+. And he was on another um, Lost Boys joint. Mm-hmm. That album came out. We was all sitting there trying to figure out what the f- what is this. Because 98 was a year where a lot of good rap releases came out. Yeah. A lot of them. And his album came it out. Was it was still, just, you know, fuck. it was right after that tipping point. But, you know, I was still optimistic then and still invested in rap. And just, you know, it just, once the studios abandoned and, you know, and mm-hmm. honestly, they stopped making compelling music. 
BDP and, you know, Public Entities run was over even in the early 90s, you know what I mean? Yeah. Still great live, great live band, but the Bomb Squad wasn't there. And mm-hmm. Chuck D was still on point, but, you know, why I fell in love with Public Enemy was no longer a thing, so. Yo, I, yeah, a lot of my favorite groups tended to fall by the wayside, and then, mm-hmm. then Tribe broke up. The, on a love movement, I was like, God damn it. Yeah, and then, you know, the album burned up in the fire, and then they re- replaced it, love movement. Yeah. Uh, and just a bunch of weird things has happened, and, you know, just KRS One records just were just coming out. And I remember I was still buying them, but I'm like, okay, I'm not. All Need is a Friend, Rapture. No, that was good. That was the last, you know, then, you know, Word Perfect and singles just started getting weird. So, you know, then EPMD broke up and, you know, all the, even, all the comeback records, they're no longer analog. They produced digitally and it's a huge difference there, man. They so. had the back in business joint. They got back with uh, Def yeah. Jam, right? Mm-hmm. It was all like 99, 2000. That's when they had the Symphony 2000. Another weird, you know, another oddity, and I'm proud of in my collection, the greatest hits that they did for Def Jam, mm-hmm. which uh, the actual songs were owed by Profile, so they had to cover their own songs best they could for their, their Def Jam greatest hits album. So you're listening to it, and if you have a trained ear, if you're a big EPMD fan, you're mm-hmm. like, okay, they did these two months ago. <laughs> <laughs> Luckily, you know, Eric Sermon's production was just so straightforward that they could, you know. Just get away with it. Just kind of get away with it. But, you know, I had all those records anyway, so it didn't make a difference. I'm Eric Sermon and I'm Parrish Smith. Yeah. Dude, but, you know, something I wanted to bring up to you, I, I was thought about the beginning of the podcast interview, okay. but talk about the shiny suit era, right? Shiny suit era. You know what's crazy? In reality, the shiny suit era only lasted a year. Yeah. Because you think about when Biggie was around, Biggie was in Shiny Suits. Shiny Suits came out like once they no. were um, the Biggie video for One More More Problems, the Marriage Mary, yeah, Mariah Carey video for Honey, where everybody was in those like those shiny golden outfits and Mace Feel So Good. But by the time 98 came around, that whole Shiny Suit era was di- had died down because that's when like DMX's albums were coming out Hard Knock Life it came out. Right. Like um, Noriega, Cameron's. Oh, um, yeah. Everything skewed thug. It was a, another everything. backlash. Yeah, because. Uh, it was 93 all over again. Yes, yep, indeed. Because uh, Confessions of Fire made from 97, but Horse and Carriage like, was a 98 single. Yeah. The Horse and Carriage remixed with the uh, Night Court theme oh, yeah, song. One, one Backstreet. It was 93 again, yeah. Yeah. But, you know, Hype Williams is still directing. Um, yeah, yeah, man. So think about Biggie. You had Carhartt Biggie. And you had Versace Biggie. You had Easy Mo B Biggie. Mm-hmm. And you have uh, Diddy's Biggie. It's just like, you know, that that's... Talk about that tipping point. I feel like Easy Mo B's Biggie was like, was also Coogee Biggie. Kind of. Yeah. Because Coogee Biggie was still like, I got money, but I'm still of my environment. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, yeah. Machine Gun Funk, every, you know, struggle joint. One More Chance remix was. was Def Diddy all day. It was 
always, I will, I will always go back to that. You know, I say the tipping point, and that's mm-hmm. that's what I mean by the tipping point. Right. And then he passed, and then you know, yeah, Mace was next in line, and you know my feelings about that. You know, Mason Betha, the savior of bad boy. Yeah, it's just you know he just wasn't Biggie. He wasn't even. Uh, <laughs> he wasn't even Apache, you know. <laughs> oh, he's crazy, man. <laughs> it was weird. I mean, I, and I knew he was a competent rapper, but he was. It seemed that he was just swinging below his. You know what I mean? Because you, have you ever heard his material before, below Bad Boy? Yeah, like he was. Yeah. He was like he was definitely nice, but I guess like that was his murder mace. Once he got with Diddy, he was on us, you know. Like yeah, that. it was just you know just cranked down so far. Man. It's just like because like but yeah, man, and, I, the, and the uh, let's see, Dipset stuff. I just like you know just Blaze's production. You know, yeah, yeah. I don't think it would have flown with anybody else. You know what I mean? Yeah, especially like some of his like song, like the old boy joint was so like you've, you know we've kind of tossed the. We've always worshipped the executive producer, mm-hmm. Shig Knight, Diddy, you know, we love those cats. Yeah, Leor Cohen. And- um, you know, Leor and uh, Dame Dash and never, you know, really the actual producers and engineers. Right. Which, you know, again, my theory that's, you know, my view that, you know, it's never been, it stopped being about music at one point and started being more about Especially with Shug, man. I mean, incredible. He made things happen, but it was all about his gangster yeah. image. It was all about that photo shoot. Yes, he made things happen. Yeah, you know, but I, well, photoshopped himself. Well, got oh, photoshopped God, him yo. Was... But, um, Ugh. you know what I mean? It's it's just it's just the drag, man, that I didn't, I never liked. And, you know, De La Soul just kind of threw that off. That was the whole point of, them early on, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. The three, you know, me, myself, and I video. The video was about them coming out and, you know, not, you don't have to be a b-boy to be hip-hop, you know what I mean? Right. You don't have to wear the Kangol and, you know, the, the, the not the shiny suit, but the track suit. The punk, what was that? The troop joints? Whatever the track suit was out, yeah. You know, and, but you just keep digging deeper and deeper and they didn't want, they needed a radio single. Mm-hmm. And Tommy Boy wanted them a, a radio single, and you know Prince Paul. Well, everybody knows. Well, people know, you know, not just knee deep. So we're just going to do a, a rap over that. It's like, all right, we'll just do it, and you know, it's their definitive song. You know what I mean? Yeah, and they hate that song. They hate that song, but well, yeah, well, yeah, because they, they had to perform it a thousand times. You know what I mean? Uh, I heard one of the live joints. It was saying, "Ready." That's how Tom's wrote a yeah. song. We hate this song. We hate this song. We, we hate this song. song. Yeah. We must love this song. And they, they flipped it that way. And it's an incredible song because it's a definitive song, but it's also the video is about them coming out against, you know, the B-boy mm-hmm. cliche. The song itself is about them, about Tommy Boy botching their, uh, you know, their early promo with the Daisy Age. You know, Tommy played off the Daisy Age. Daisy meaning the inner sound, y'all. But Tommy Boy just bringing out the flowers and making them, oh, they're hippie rappers. 
so you know they're rebelling against the album the album company the the record company with a record that <laughs> defines them now you know what i mean they definitive yeah. single it's such an amazing thing man that is um so if it was that one there was another example of that oh and then push it back to my very first thing i said on the podcast and it makes it sound like i i hate I lump it in with JJ Fast, so it's not that I hate female rappers. I just hate. Uh, before Push It and Salt Pepper had Push It, they had a disc record. They did Dougie Fresh and Slick Rick with the Showstopper. It's back when they were called Super Nature. Mm-hmm. Incredible record. You know, it was a fun record. It was one of those Lady B records I loved. You know, I taped it off the radio, played it to death. So, you know, and then, you know, they had Tramp. And they had, you know, I'll Take Your Man and all that. They had some really solid records. Yet Push It is their definitive record. And mm-hmm. I hate it. Because it's such a, a blatant crossover record. You know what I mean? And, you know, you know, it's going to do a rap, a rap of, you know, You Really Got Me. And, you know, people just love it now. It's just like 80s kitsch. And, you know, they have, you know, they're dressed like salt and pepper for Halloween. And the dude karaoke push it like you know that was what it was you know that's what hip-hop was about at that time mm. when the reality it was just you know it was just a crossover and it worked great it crossed over big but it's such an anomaly in the catalog salt peppers catalog nothing else they put out sounded like that you know what i mean mm-hmm. they had some really like solid they weren't really street because you know herbie's Herbie Lovebug's production was, I think he had bigger, um, his ambition was pretty big at the time. Mm-hmm. So he wanted to make more radio-friendly stuff, but I take your man, Tramp, were like much better than Push It. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I mean, for years I hated Salt and Pepper just based on Push It. And I went back and, you know, reviewed Hot, Cool, and Vicious and Salt with a Deadly Pepper. And, like, they actually had some really solid, you know, album cuts. I'm always going to album cuts. You know, I hate singles. I hate award tour. If I have a award tour again, I can go through Tribes like, of... without hearing award tour again. As much as that, that's an anthem. Yeah. As much as you know, as you just solid. I, if I hear award tour again, if I never have to hear award tour again, I'll be happy. Because I, I just heard it. So <laughs> much. And I heard the DJ juggle the intro so many times. It's like, here we go. And it just doesn't register. I don't want to hate this song now. It's just, I've heard it so much. It just doesn't register. So, you know, just play like, you know, play Pubic Enemy or play the hop or play. Pubic Enemy is the shit, man. Play Mr. Incognito, please. They have so many more songs in it. But you're going to run a war tour and you know you play the scenario and this feeling but so play a scenario remix please you know what i mean name of hood so i know i should never be bored by hip-hop and it's just like you know i haven't i didn't seek that song like that it's just been played and uh, going out heard that fluid so many times man i just see green tiles when i hear you know <laughs> hear a war tour being juggled Yo. And it's my and it's my my best friend's DJing the song. It's like just mm-hmm. just delete it from your server. Nobody will complain. 
nobody's really going to, you know, you might go five years and somebody requests, well, you haven't played Word to Word in a while. Yeah, because you played it so many times. Amazing song. I love it. Mm-hmm. I love what it's based on. I love it. I love the video. But still, it's like, I'm done with it. But I just heard it so many times, it's been registered. And that's just one of maybe, you know, 30 songs I never ever listened to again. You know what I mean? All my favorite Tribe joints are like, for real, for real, are like album cuts. Like yeah. on the first uh, People's Extinctive Travels. Of course. And, and like, Nobody rhythm. bought that record, by the way. I know. It was, I got like, so my favorite joints were uh, the Art of, Art of Moving Butts, of course. Yeah. Um there was in the uh Go Out in the Rain. Yeah. And the um the one album, one song that wasn't on the actual like album mm-hmm. but it was on the C D joint. Yeah. Was uh Dedication to a Fool. Yes. Was it called was it uh was it called Dedication to a Fool? Yeah. Yeah, but then they also the had the yeah. the uh the instrumental version of it too, or the extended version. Yeah, it was like instrumental of a fool, whatever. Right. Yeah, I, I like that was my favorite joint because it flipped the record. Roy Ayers joint. Yeah. But like, yeah, like DJs don't play that song. Don't play none of the yeah, songs they I like. Never play any song off that record, man. They don't because you know Low End Theory blew up, and it's weird. Scenario was I think the last, the third single off of that. You know. Yeah, it was when that was the norm when you had three singles. So Scenario was the third single, and then it blew up. So people were checking for it. The source wrote about it. Mm-hmm. People were up on it, but yeah, same same thing. Uh, it happened a lot, man. It's just yeah, people just. It was too. It wasn't the b boy stuff. What was that? None of the native tongue stuff was the, the b boy norm. As much as we come to love it, as much as we love the Peyton full cover. Mm-hmm. Um. The album cover and what it, you know, the whole Marley Ball era, there was always, there was opposition to that, but it was also musical, you know what I mean? And music based opposition. And, you know, and like I said, you know, they didn't like the image, but they made a great song criticizing that image. And they made a song that satisfied, again, the record company's demands for a radio single at the same time. You know, this cast is just incredible, man. Yeah, man. I probably never fully unpack how much I like, you know, dance. But it wasn't like I said. It's just like this. It's so many artists that we we're not even. I can't even name off the top of my head. We talk about the native tongues like it was just you know it was the definitive movement, the most visible uh, movement against cliched hip hop at that time. Mm-hmm. But it wasn't the only one. I'm just thinking, man. Just. 90, 89, 90, 91. You, you know, you get tune in, you get low profile, and then you get X Clan after that. Then you get, you know, Poison Clan after that. Two Live Crew. Two Live Crew was massive. Nobody really, you know, discusses it now. Um, But, you know, they just had so much output, and they put on these artists, and. But that, yeah, man, that era of the mini mogul was just amazing, man. The era was and interesting. New York was a planet. It was just, just a variety of music. It was never, never bored me. You know what I mean? Because in 991, besides rap, it was also like a bridge well, between house and you, rap. 
Yes. Because I... Uh, That's another great point. So, mm-hmm. oh, go ahead. Because uh, during that time period, like, my dad would get these records. Mm-hmm. Like, mind you, we had the rap records. We also had, like, BG, the Prince of Rap. Sure. At one joint, um, Beat is Hot. Then he also had... Yeah, um, yeah Palladium. Palladium. I call them Palladium records. You, you hear them on MTV The Grind. Yeah. They were rap records. They were had rapper, rappers on them. Snap. Mm-hmm. Turbo B was the rappers. You know, like, your Kid K was... There was another... Different rappers that weren't necessarily hip hop. It was, you know, I call it a high energy dance. Would you consider um, KLF's DM Eternal a record like that? Yeah, absolutely. KLF's going to rock. Yeah, yeah. That's, uh, Jesus. Even to this very day, I'm like, I can't get enough of that song, man. So, yeah, this is the other thing about the cusp is that every, it seemed every genre was just flourishing. First of all, uh, REM's Losing My Religion, you know, again, it goes back to the college, mm-hmm. college radio. Which is always relegated to college. Every once in a while, you had a band or a group that would cross over to the mainstream top forty charts. And when REM losing my religion, things just kind of got real with pop. You know, it was just pop music. Mm-hmm. Then things got really introspective. You know what I mean? So uh, alternative radio was 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 exploding for that. Hip hop was exploding, and because it was singles based. Um, people wanted to replicate the popularity, growing popularity of hip-hop. Well, everything was going to be the next hip-hop. House was going to be the next hip-hop. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you saw more house singles exploding. Um, then all this, all the music got exported to Europe, and they just were mad for it. You know what I mean? And I always look at... It's weird, man. I was looking at Europe and the U.K., because, you know, you think about your top five rock and roll groups of all time. Mm-hmm. Classic rock. So you have the Beatles, the Who, the Rolling Stones, Led Zeppelin, Pink Floyd. Talk about classic rock. All British groups. Not None of them are American groups. So why? You know, why are they so revered? Why are they so loved for their music above, you know, um, the image that they put out? And mm-hmm. it's like, you know... To be a great rock and roll group, you have to be a great blues group, I think. Mm. So, you know, it's where, especially where the Rolling Stones are concerned, it's cats revered, you know, like Howlin' Wolf. Muddy Waters, Chess Records, cats, yeah. Exactly, you know, they named this, how they got their name. But they revered them, but they didn't have to live in the States. Mm-hmm. You know, they had a romantic idea about you know this american these black musicians in america and thriving with this oppression and you know they were free to explore that whereas Mm -hmm. if you're you know a white musician in america you can you know you gotta kind of keep that under your head you know what i mean it's like you don't want you don't (laughs) you're a nigga lover basically Mm -hmm. and you're not going to have a career being a nigga lover so you know Keep that under your hat, you know. Keep your influence under your hat. So, you know, for the Rolling Stones, it was about, you know, blues. And for uh, the Beatles, it was about R&B. So, you know, John Lennon wants to talk about how much he liked, you know, Jackie Wilson and all these, you know, how much he loved Paul McCartney, how much he loved Motown and these singers. And that's cute. That's cute. You like black people. What about your hair? Let's talk about your hair and these girls chasing you. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So, you know, again, just pure music lovers. 
and you know their music the catalogs reflect that you know what I mean and you just it's a huge thing and that goes back to the 60s those are, these are all 60s groups those top five you know what I mean mm-hmm. they made you know big especially the Zeppelin and Pink Floyd and the Who in the 70s and the Rolling Stones and the Who in the 80s you know and they're, they're still touring and stuff but they really revered black culture, but they weren't, they were remote from black culture. You know what I mean? It's a whole ocean separating them from the reality. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So they can, you know, and they were free to, to uh, explore that. So based off of that, you know, more generations that came after them, you know what I mean? People just revered just black music. So when they did rap, and British rap, the first wave of British rap was terrible. It's questionable. You know, at best, you know, the Cookie Crew was kind of good. They had a couple good records. Um, then you had Derek B, which was, you know, he was like kind of like Chuck D and LL Cool J. And his records, you know, he had a record called Bullet from the Gun. And it was just, it's just, it was just trying to make a LL Cool J or a Public Enemy record. And it just didn't work. You know, he's just—it wasn't his own artist. He was just doing a, his own a British version of an American record. Didn't work. We Papa Girl rappers were like, you know, Salt and Pepper, British Salt and Pepper, basically. They had their own style, but you know, didn't really connect. The music wasn't all there. So you had that first wave, and then you know, then trip hop connected. You know, you had that Wild Bunch collective with Nelly Hooper and Tricky mm-hmm. and you know, Massive Attack. So they ended up making, you know, rap their own thing. You know what I mean? That really spoke to me. You know what I mean? It was weird. I first heard about Massive Attack through MTV as, you know, as much as we, you know, talk about, <laughs> talk down about MTV, they were at one point produced an incredible blocks of music. Um, and, uh, you know, that's how, you know, I just kind of discovered uh, Massive Attack because rap radio... It was playing rap, but it wasn't, you know, it was still a bubble, you know what I mean? It was mm-hmm. keeping out just weird stuff, you know what I mean? And trip hop was weird, tricky's weird, weird looking, and it's, you know, the whole, whole, uh, it wasn't loud and brashing in your face. It was kind of quiet, you know, it was kind of ambient, trip hop was. So, you know, and then later reporters said, very strong, you know, hip hop influence there. Cowboy album. So you know, they they were just free to explore. So as long as they weren't, you know, mimicking us, they were flourishing. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Kind of following their own, the British kind of follow their own thing. So that's why techno and house and these black genres have just traveled over there and they're just adored. You know, cults built around them, just like Japan. You know what I mean? the genuine love there, but it's because it's so remote from the reality of it. You know what I mean? I feel like they got more love for Juan Atkins than we do over here. Yeah, exactly, man. Oh, absolutely. And, you know, the Detroit Three. and So, yeah, techno was popping and during that, that era, they're in the cusp. Mm-hmm. Um, house. Go-Go, there was some remnants of Go-Go. You still had regional music and, you know. Yeah. Detroit was techno, house was, you know, Chicago, and you had go-go. You had bass music in Miami, and hip-hop kind of absorbed everything. So you had hip-house, you know what I mean? 
the big hip house music uh, movement after uh, they know the Jungle Brothers and Richie, Girl, our house and Richie Rich. Yeah. Um, did a record together. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, man, it was just amazing. So it was just a whole nother world, man. There's just so many different sounds. And, you know, you, that stuff wasn't on MTV. Like, <clears throat> didn't have the presence that hip-hop did, but, you know, you were tuning into, you know, the underground station. You would get those tapes from Chicago. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Everybody had a cousin, or, you know, you had to go to the record store and seek those things down. And they're being played in the clubs. And... um you know, there was really nothing like it. You know what I mean? It was just, just so much great music coming from so many different sources. So, I mean, yeah, this is different. The whole infrastructure of things between here and now is just totally changed. But that, for me, was the high point. And I guess you just, in my, you know, you just had to be there. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry you weren't, and you know you like what you like because that's what you're exposed to, and it's all available to you. You know, it's all a lot of that music is streaming. I urge everybody to seek it out. Um, YouTube, you can. It's all there. You know, what I mean, just kind of got to break that algorithm. You know what I mean, man? Yep. Get out of that demographic ghetto. Get out of that demographic ghetto, man. My goodness. Escape. Yeah, I mean, that's the reason why I like, for me, mm-hmm. all the magazines that I get aren't, like, fucking rap mags anymore. I used to be just strictly rap mags growing mm-hmm. up. Now I'm like, yo, days are confused. I go to a, um international magazine spot on Penn Campus. Yeah, no, um, the one on uh, Sansa? Yep. I go there all the time, oh, man. Yeah. yeah. Avril 50, and I get what I need from them, and... It keeps me like abreast of what's going on in the world outside of here. And of course, I got the internet, so I'm never just staying inside yeah. the US with my interests. I'm like looking at what's going on in the UK with Japan, Brazil, what's going on over here. You just really gotta work. You gotta work to find things, man. Yeah. You gotta work overtime now because it's just like, streaming so heavy. It's a lot and of shit out here. You really gotta, I don't know. Just the, the sphere of influ- the influences. I don't know, man. Everything's derivative. To me, um, so I don't know. I mean, I can get an idea where everybody's inspiration is coming from. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Just on, at first listen. Whereas before, you didn't know what you know Pete Rock was listening to. You know what I mean? You really wanted to find out what his his library was, what he was pulling from, what his influences were. What? Whereas everybody's kind of influenced by what everybody else is doing. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Oh, my goodness. The whole story is a whole other... P-Rock is his own genre. <laughs> everybody, there's so many artists. It's amazing. That's why I like to scream, because I can go to YouTube, and the algorithm will find maybe five or six rap videos from groups I never heard of from, like, 95, 97, mm-hmm. that had the horn loop. And, you know, the dusted beat. They had that P-Rock sound. You know what I mean? It's mm-hmm. like a fascinating thing to me. So, as much as I tried to keep on top of everything, I was in Iowa, so I could only see so much. I was trying to gobble it all up, you know what I mean? Trying to find 
whatever came down the pike I want I needed to be part of. I needed to find out. And I thought I was complete, but gosh, there's like a whole swaths of this um nineties music I never connected with. You know? Mm-hmm. I mean, that's so, how. Yeah, you think you you know, it's what you know and what you don't know. That's what it's like a pie graph that people can draw up. Mm-hmm. And it's what you know, it's what you know you don't know. And most of the pie graph is uh, what you don't know you don't know. Does that make any sense? It does. I mean, because, mind you, like growing up. At 152. <laughs> oh, shit, is that late? <laughs> yeah. But then, how long have we been recording for? Oh, no. I don't, don't you even got memory in that thing? Yeah, probably. All right. Got the gig. Took the joint out. It's got to be a two-parter, man. SoundCloud ain't gonna let you put that up. Yeah. No, but no, we'll see. Okay. Um, but yeah, so I mean, that's how I found about the knots. You know what I'm saying? Wow, the, not, yeah. the knots and world renown because of me going through like streaming and finding like ours I was never heard of before, mm-hmm. and I found about them. So yeah, man. Yeah, man. It's like, and then then it just seems that people don't want to know. You know what I mean? Yep. Or they act like they don't have time. <laughs> you know what I mean? To explore. All which is facts. weird. Um, yeah. Did I break that down properly, though? I'm, yeah, you I, did. I don't want to, like, play it back and, like, yeah, it makes no sense. It's going to make, ton- it make tons of sense. It's what you know, what you know you don't know, and then what you don't know you don't know is, like, just such a vast thing uh, so yeah I mean it's, it's amazing thing information the information age you have access to a, to a lot man. information age misinformation age sometimes the streams cross it's crazy man it is going man. back to the the we start out started this conversation on some nerd stuff mm-hmm. um hitchhiker's guide to the galaxy man yeah, the Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. I used to read it when I was like ten years old. Same year, I discovered hip hop, and I'm just like, okay. So Same year I was born, yo. A gadget in your pocket that gives you access to the collected knowledge of the universe. Man, imagine that. That was in '84. 1984, man. Well, yeah. it came out in '79. It was a radio show, but God, that's so, I'm so nerdy right now. <laughs> um, but yeah, you know what I mean. And they're just the concept that was just mind blowing. It's like no way I'm going to see anything like that in my lifetime. Mm-hmm. And I have it, and we don't take advantage of it. <laughs> you take it to look for what you're looking for. You know, you're not really, not really taking it to explore. Word up. You know what I mean? Hip hop, man, you got to dig. Hip-hop. So many records, you you're not you know, you're not going to find. Ten percent of the albums created in your lifetime. You know what I mean? Yeah, I, I don't even try. It's like if I find a sound I like, I'll, I'll travel the, the line to find more of that sound. Mm-hmm. But I know I can't consume everything. I know I can't do that. It's just, it's, it's just not feasible right now. You swaz the music, man. Just yeah, so much shit out here. Hours. Like, but yeah, be selective, and you know, you entitled to what you like, but you know, just. It's it's definitely worth exploring, not yeah. disposing of of our culture. You know what I mean? Indeed, man. Don't cheapen, don't cheapen your soul. It's like you said, man. I was gonna be out here, man, just jamming more more Mace records. You know what I'm saying? Hey, I mean, <laughs> <laughs> but see, I get what you're saying, man. It's just 
There's a lot out here, though. I mean, you know, I just want to find out. You know, I can. I got. I got access to Harlem World. I can, you know. Hey, man, Harlem World's all around you, bro. And the second, <laughs> the second one when he went off to the uh, double up. That's my love. <laughs> Yo, I love that song, man. <laughs> That's I was listening to it. I said, okay, I kind of like the beat a little bit. I don't like Mace at all, but I like this beat. And then he went off and said, one, two, three, three four, four, four. Everybody on the floor. <laughs> you That's see? the murder race I heard about. Yo. <laughs> you see ground will see paper. Oh, man. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Mace. That I like, you know, that connected, you know what I mean? Double up, baby. <laughs> but yeah, man. Double up, yeah. Gosh, man, where's Nelly? I never thought Nelly would fall. I hate Nelly. I never <laughs> thought he would fall off. He was everywhere. He was just like, that streak was just unbelievable. It was, but it, he went from 2000 to like 2005. It's scary. It's a scary thing, man. 2007, yeah, it was like, you know, the, because again... That was that backlash again. Oh, yeah. To him be, being like, hey, now we get back to this trap music. We thugged out again. Yeah. But then look at people now. They're not thugged out. They're just, they're drugged out. You know what I'm saying? But. Yeah. You know, tis but, the season. You know. And then there's like, you know, the backlash to falling off. Like, we're your team. We're dedicated. We're your label. We're dedicated to making sure you don't fall off. Mm-hmm. So we're going to make sure a lot of people don't get on. They don't do, they don't do a good job with that shit. Yeah, they really don't. But, you know. Mm-hmm. It's bad. It's <laughs> the name of the game. Is just... So, yeah, man. Spend, stop, you know, arguing about hip-hop in 2018 and try to make a new genre. You know what I mean? Please do. Please turn off the 4-4. First, turn off the 808. Then if you can, you know, change the time signature up, that would be amazing. Dude. I don't I don't care what you do. Just don't be boring. Tell him again, Chief. Man, what you do, just don't be boring. Stop being influenced by other people. By your peers. Stop copying your peers. Be your own thing. Be Prince Paul. No doubt. Be Prince Paul. Be Prince Paul, man. That photo, I ain't got my, gotta put my scarf on. It's all good, man. Uh, we want a picture with a scarf on. No doubt. This is all live here on the podcast. One fifty two in the morning, and we're not. Well, we be well, whatever. You'll, you'll hear it when you hear it. <laughs> it will be live then. I promise you. All right, wait for my man to get the scarf right. Wait a minute, and here we go. Something for the people from the streets. Yeah, man. My main man Ron came through and dropped some serious gems on me. Yeah. I think I learned some things, man. Yeah. I think somebody died on this uh, podcast for the first time. We flew in, we died. That's what's up, man. Fly, fly or die. You have options. This That's right. Yes, indeed. Shout out to Tears for Fears. Everybody rules the world. Still got that UTFO. Uh, yeah. We got the same copy, man. Roxanne, Roxanne. Yeah. I'm hanging out. Roxanne, Roxanne on the B side. Ain't nobody knows it. Girl. Nah, you know. 
doctor. I want to be your man. Yeah. Cool. I want to be your man. That was my fault, oh, dude. That's dude, <laughs> the funniest. Fairy tale lover, though, man. They played that forever on Power 99. Jesus. Didn't one of them dudes die this year? Yeah. Educated rapper. Yeah, educated rapper. I remember educated rapper. It was always like, it was like, was there the Dr. Cool Ice? Dr. Ice Dr. had Ice. a really good record, solo record, under underrated. It was a record. Yeah, it wasn't great, but it was it's worth exploring. It's funny. It's a funny record. Did they come out like eighty nine or something like that? Yeah, the Mike Stalker. Yeah, because there was one video of a guy in like in a doctor's outfit who was like rapping on stage, and he slid slid down like a banister and jumped off the steps. And I, I didn't know no, who that I was. Know about that, one. I gotta look that up. Yeah, but he did a. I think he did a cover of Halo or something like that. Of course he would. Mm-hmm. Of course he would. King's oh. son, Halo. Man, this, it, you just you just shout out his names for us. Do a podcast where you just shout out artists' names as they come to us. Yep. That's That'd be the... You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Man. See, now I say that and we can't think of anybody. I can't. See what I have to see? Probably because 152 and 1, my brain just shut down. <laughs> I name a rapper. Um, did I say King Sun? You said King Sun already. You said King Sun, yeah. Uh, wow, that's amazing. Name a rapper. Mike, Mac, name a rapper. Name a rapper? Yeah. That's not Mace. Uh, he said Mace. Uh, Q-Tip. Uh, uh, we Q-tip. said Q-Tip already. All right. Uh, shit. He must go. Justin Warfield. Who's Justin Warfield? Justin Warfield. Rapper. Ice Warner. Nubian Mob. That's my collection, man. That's me and my brother's collection. Oh, so you probably got like uh, Jay's own in your collection. Got James O's book. Guy's yes. book too. Yeah, it's dope. Yeah, it's a great book. Um, I his music. I stream his music. Uh, yeah, we said the nonce, man. So yeah, that's 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 the starting point. Now it's Rover now. Casual, oh. Casual's record front to back is a solid record. He might have a couple of duds on it. He's a uh, hieroglyphics or like a hiero. Ninety-three two infinity front to back. Solid Super record. No duds. Oh, as good as your weakest track. You know, they're pretty solid tracks from the back. Hyro, man. Great group. Far Sides, well, Bizarre Rides to the Far Side was dope. I liked Lab Cab in California, too. Dilla, man. That's Jay Dilla's uh, debut. Yep. Dilla's so good. Everybody forgot how to make their own. That, that, was, that was another falling off point, man. Everybody started making Dilla records. Yep. Start making records at tempo. Started losing their their face. They're supposed to be underground. It's supposed to be you know flourishing. Mm-hmm. Yo, just it can't. It just comes from do all train. directions, man. It's not just the shiny suits. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? You just can't blame Diddy, man, for the sameness. Definitely can't. Everybody had that Dilla thump. Two thousand, you know, five. Right After he, he passed, died, he got. It got ridiculous. Yeah. That's why I'm my my as big of a Dilla fan like I used to be because of mm-hmm. that reason. Like, like it's also a, a a nightmare 
after 2000, you had, you know, you had K7 and Ninja Tune. You have all these labels. Mm. And that whole end of it was just so hard to navigate for me. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. A lot of dancing, you know, uh, electronic experimental music just because it didn't have a face. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like it was all producer-oriented. You know, you had... um amp on MTV so they tried they did do early electronic music and you know just a lot of the music didn't have a you know we knew the name but you know it's just hard to remember those names you couldn't ask the DJ and there was nothing had a lyric you know what I mean mm-hmm. so that's just further exploration a lot of those records will speak to you you just don't know how to find them at all which can be frustrating and Ninja Tune will start up by Cold Cut and the yeah. cold cut made one of my favorite jams, the Polly and I now is a play oh, yeah. at night. Um the one joint that featured the um the King Louis song from Jungle Book. Mm-hmm. Yeah, man. I love that mix, dude. Cause it would go from this would be this how how those songs would go in that Polly and I now mix. Right. It'll be that song, um, Money Talks, uh yeah, one joint, dirty, dirty cash. Yeah, dirty, yeah. yeah, dirty cash. Yeah, mm-hmm. money talks. Then we're going to Misha Legs, keep watching. Mm-hmm. Then we're going to the cold cut joint, but it would mainly just play the section that involved the King Louie joint. Right. Then, I, then after that, it would go on to something else. But that it's was funny. All that, all the music I was rallying against. Mm-hmm. And I very rarely called Power Ninety Nine because I, had, you know, I knew that enough people were going to call and request, you know. Raw bass or whatever that they mm. wanted to play, you know, whatever was hot that week. So I never really called in, but I was kind of rooting for it. Then, like, you know, I just had to go back and listen to all the R&B that I was fronting on mm-hmm. at the time. That really didn't like at the time. I wanted to hear rap, and then, you know, I'm listening on a lot of great songs. Because even when we turned off WDAS, all that, that's what I listened to. So, you know, there's definitely an emotional attachment to that music as well. Right. So I had to go back and seek all that once the, uh, that's how I spent a lot of time digging when I fell out of favor with hip hop. You know? Mm -hmm. In the last 10, 15 years. You know what I mean? Stop seeking so much of this and say, okay, well, what else? What, what did I miss out on back in the day? Right. I need that in my life. I need the Sherelle albums. I need Jimmy. And then I go back and find out that, you know, Trevor Horn, of all the rap records that I, all the non-rap records in my collection, Trevor Horn mm-hmm. produced half of them. Jimmy Jam and Terry Lewis produced, like, the other half. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So I had nine raps, fifty percent like skew like fifty fifty, and then you know, other producers maybe I'm exaggerating of course, but um, you know, so I got and it always got back to the actual producers and got back to the music, mm-hmm. even more so than the vocalists, and that's what really matters, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Just that you know the vocalist or rapper is just an instrument, which goes back to you know again the um. Black Thought, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Black Thought for all the, you know, the you know people saying you know, it's the best, best to ever do it. Then, you know, why do, don't more people recognize that? Why did it take a 10-minute freestyle over Mob Deep to, you know, 
And I think it's because, you know, it's just the black thought as an element and a really unique, popular, you know, hip hop entity, which is the roots, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Before the roots, there's maybe, I mean, there's been other hip hop bands, dig, you know, long enough I can think of them, but, you know, that's Sonic is the main one. And that was just because they had a live drummer, you know what I mean, more than anything else. They didn't even have the full brass section. They bought it in on certain mm-hmm. records, but it was all about the live drums for Steps of Sonic. So as far as full, uh, full rap bands are concerned, you know, he's an element. In it. He's like, he's the best rapper, but, you know, it's Questlove's um, whole image, the Afro and all that's what people mm-hmm. connect to the roots. Right. Before anything else, it's Quest, Afro, and, you know, people always pick up on weird things. Mm-hmm. All right. So the Beatles were mop tops, and then people eventually, you know, learn to love the music, but they're always about the image. Image first, music second. This is a theme that keeps coming up again and again and again. So, yeah, you have full band, you have brass, you got, you know, you got keys, you have a tuba player. And, you know, he's just, he's never recognized as a front man. That would be, you know, Questlove's always considered front man of the roots. Mm-hmm. And um, so he's just another element in that. And you really have to listen, check for him, and even in his own recordings for Black Thought. Mm-hmm. And, you know, once you check for him, you'll re- you will realize that. But it's, it's very telling that, you know, he had to a solo 10-minute freestyle for that for that to shine through. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So that's the why there, you know what I mean? Not, nobody's really fronting on him. It's just in his regular element, he's just another element. You know what I mean? Almost 30 years into his career. Unbelievable, man. Right. Such Unbelievable how, you know, just consistent he is. And, you know. Mm-hmm. Always check for Quest and what he's doing. You know what I mean? Just Dude. if there's anyone that who recognizes that none of this should be disposable, it's him. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And you know, you just kind of kind of come from the same cloth in that respect. And I like his podcast because we he asks a lot of the questions that I he asks the first questions. I know I, I hear who the guest is going to be. Said, well, if I was talking to this person, I would ask them these five questions tops. And he always, he never fails to nail all five. It's weird. So, you know, that's the, um, that was how we ended 2017 was with that freestyle, I think. God forbid nobody gets shot in the next three days. Hope not. Um... Although I heard Cardi B and the take, well, who's she? I don't know. Offset, take offset. It's take off offset and the and Quavo. Quavo. Quavarius Marshall. Everybody's favorite. That's his real name. Yep, Quavarius Marshall. Yep. Why does he even have a rap name? He should have just done the Keith Murray. The whole name. Government name. Yeah. Yeah. Show for Quavo. Yeah. That's amazing. See, I learned something tonight. And he's a football like. Football phenom before he got in the music. Oh, he has a football name. Yeah, he does. Quavarius Marshall, yo. Football. Yeah, he does. Football it's like Ladanian Tomlinson. It's just like, you know, he wasn't going to be a lawyer. Man, that name. <laughs> 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 
But yeah, man, he's definitely Quaverius. Nice. The okay. Quaverius Marshall. So you know, I heard about that that breakup, and uh, you know, it kind of eclipsed the. Uh... So when are you going to watch the? Uh, the, uh, the freestyle. It's really amazing. It's I'm probably gonna watch it three o'clock this morning. Right. Before I go to bed, I'm gonna come back down. You can't here. just watch it once. It's like a Lay's potato chip. See, I, I, all right, I gotta watch it tomorrow morning then. Cause I watch it now and go to sleep. Okay. So I wake, I wake up tomorrow morning, you know what I mean? Have my thick ass eggs and whatnot. And I'll definitely, you know, I'm gonna have my smoothie. I'll have my smoothie first, mm-hmm. sit down, then watch like an hour and a half of uh, Black Thought Freestyle. Okay. Yeah. Let's do it. Then I'm going to go on Facebook and be like, yo, I saw the greatest freestyle ever. It was Black Thought. They were like, you're, you're, you're late. what everybody wrote when it came out, you know. Yeah, just being a dick. Like just, yeah, just talking about Cardi B's dress two weeks before that. But, you know. Yeah, man. <laughs> yeah. And people want to herald it as, you know, new rebirth. And you know, we do it every so often, you know. Just like everybody says they're going to take it to the next level, then they do a track with Lenny Kravitz that nobody listens to. That was a trend, like, you know, back 10 years ago. It's like, okay. Dude, everybody did a track with, uh... If your frame of reference to, you know, the next level was Lenny Kravitz, you need to, you know... <laughs> I want to do some Lenny Kravitz shit. Like, what? Why don't you, like, do some stew stuff? Do some yeah. HR. Do a track of HR. How about that? 15 years ago, I remember Hope did a track with Lenny Kravitz. Did he? See, I never listened to it. Yep, he did his only um, Blueprint. I know Buster did. True Joint. Never listened to that one either. Um, Pharrell and Diddy did Show Me Your Soul for the uh, Bad Boys 2 soundtrack. Uh-huh. But as far as anybody else, nah. Maybe they did, but I didn't listen. So, what's the remedy? Um, go analog. You gotta go right back to analog. Mm-hmm. You gotta configure things your own way. Then, you know, you can do whatever you want. Also, awesome. the same, same thing if it just, just sounds so flat to me, man. Also, I would say invest in yourself, but not just financially, just also give yourself a chance to get outside the box, escape that uh, demographic ghetto that you're in. Definitely travel, see how, you know, mm-hmm. culture, you know, how removed you've been from this. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yep. How remove you yourself, you know, just because it comes from your country, you don't really have a claim on it. You gotta love it. You gotta put time in. Facts. That's the remedy, man. So you make a change for yourself as an artist, as a consumer of music. Different yeah. ways to approach it. But I feel like if you truly just do the do the work, yeah. you have, you'll find a, a better meaning in it than just sitting there and letting shit happen. If you don't have a voice proper voice if your voice is flat goes right if you, but if you if you can write find somebody that has a voice it goes yep. right for them <laughs> don't let Y Clef produce your first album uh, <laughs> all jokes I don't know what I, I gotta listen to it again so I'm gonna listen to it on the way home with the cannabis joint can I bust I gotta listen to it again damn but but his first with Y Clef's first album he did was, was dope but that cannabis album was like, wow, wow. Yeah, it was. Is this a very? I mean, I enjoy listening to it because it's just such a. I really can't. I really want to. I wish 
really wish I was in the room when it was all going down. Like, fly on the wall. What the fuck is this? What is this? I always have to get retarded. Yeah, it's always gonna be a classic out here. <laughs> in my mind, it's not even like it's it's just a bizarre thing, man. I love it. It's one of the few songs on the album that I like. Mm-hmm. That and uh, Nigonometry. <laughs> this is a funny ass name for a song. And that was going on. I didn't Monkey listen. Hand Palace. Why is this song? I'm mad you mentioned that. Palace. It's on pops in my head before you said it. And I ignore that song every time I play it. Buckingham Palace? I skip, th- I skip it. Yeah. He, he mentioned Buckingham Palace at the top of it. And, that, and I don't know. Cause I, or if it plays, it just plays in the background while I'm like doing something else that I can't reach the phone in time. Like if I'm in the bathroom, I'm like, God damn it. I got to sit through this. Yeah, that was part of the whole... Um, the um, the Godfather music era too, man. Wu Bank, Wu Gambinos. Mm-hmm. Right. They didn't really like. No, everybody was doing it. What they were doing? Scarface music. Yeah. But it's Mob Deep, Minaj, it's Mines. Deep and the Firm, and yeah, everybody was on that. Well, the casinos. And you kind of lost me there. Everybody kind of lost me there, and I was like, okay. I don't think it's going to get any better from here or not. A few highlights. There's always highlights. It's always going to find. It's always going to find you. Man. Thank goodness for uh, Odd Future. Yeah. All those weirdos out there yeah. in music. Thank you for being weird. Shout out to MF Doom, too, man. Be- greatest second career in hip-hop. Yeah. Zevlo X. Came back as MF Doom and shut the shit down. He's unbelievable. Just, just jaded. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It's just like the energy's not in his voice, but it makes sense because he's been rapping for 30 years. So he's just jaded mm-hmm. and still an entity there. And Sounds dope. Yeah. Dope yeah. is the word. Shout to JJ. Shout to Janeiro Jarrell if you're listening. Yo, Janeiro Jarrell is the homie. I had yeah. time to kick, kick it with him down in New Orleans when he was That's there. That's right, man. You left. You left at one point. Yeah, I Think did. Think about that, man. Yeah, man. Left and came back. Left and came back to a city that I, I quickly got over. <laughs> I was Are like, you I'm, back over that, man? Well, I'm over to being back in the, like, being back in Philly because like when I got back here, I was just like, oh man, I'm back here already. Yeah, talk about that thread, man. You put up that's deep, man. It's not a hip hop thing, but it's dating, dating in Philly. Oh, dating in Philly. Oh, messing up. That's another podcast <laughs> altogether. But nah, I wasn't nah. Be being over my situation from New Orleans. Uh huh. Let's keep it a buck fifty because you're here now. Yeah. Might as well say it. Oh, you're saying it to me. You're saying it to America. You're saying it to the world. Into and it's world. like, look, man, you know, I moved on, you know, had my life where I, you know, I thought I wanted to have it. But I'll tell mm-hmm. you right now, a part of me is still in that situation. Yeah. Not in New Orleans, the city. But I still love the city, don't get me wrong. But mm-hmm. it's part of me still in that, still in that place. And people might be saying, maybe that's why you can't, you know, the dating thing in Philly is kind of funny for you. I said, it's really not because there's nothing here that's been like, that's been like mind blowing to the point like, oh my God, I, I gotta, 
keep dating here. This is where it's going. Nah, man, I don't do nothing here. That's why I don't date anybody here. I chill out. Be in my apartment on the YouTubes. Wow. Watch some puppy videos, goddammit. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Even <laughs> the puppies, man. Well, shout out the dogs, man. Love them dogs, man. But nah, okay. I'm just, I've just been chilling, man. Huh? Some dogs ain't going to save you. I know they're not going to save me, cuz. ain't going to save you. I know he's not going to save me, cuz. You know, we can save each other, goddammit. Yeah, but nah, but like, for real, I've just been chilling, man. And New Orleans was an interesting situation because it taught me a lot. Grew a lot in a short amount of time. I'll get into it more on a dating podcast. But like, yeah, man, I'm back in the city of Philadelphia, been here since like 2014, awesome. back in the mix. You know, just staying to myself, doing dope ass podcasts with dope ass people like my homie right here across with me on the couch. You know what I mean? And wow. that's it. Dope people, bro. I try. Hey, man, we all try. I try to keep a good, you know, clean heart, nice to people. That's how you gotta do it. You know, cut a lot of people off. I do the same thing too because people annoy me. A lot of people died. Yo, they didn't fly. They fly. They died. They definitely died. 1984. Fly or die. 2014, 2018. Yep, we're all flying right now. People have died in the making of this. Oh, the casualties. Heavy casualties, man. That's right. They gotta get out of here. We gotta get on. You gotta go on because they can't stay around here. That's right. You're flying around here. That's right, man. This is gonna sound hilarious once it's all recorded out there. I'm keeping everything I'm saying in the podcast. I'm not listening to this. I lived it. You lived it. I lived it. it. I got it. And now you get to live it. Yep. I gotta chop it up, edit it, because like it's probably a good. A lot of hours, so I'm gonna make yeah, sure. Yeah, it's gonna be like a two parter, probably. Yeah, it's gonna be a two parter. Oh, Lord. Then I gotta do an episode for Young Lady. I'm recording it on Friday, so that's gonna be fun. Did we so. resolve anything if since it's a two parter? Like, yeah, I think we did. Yeah, we did. We resolved things, came back, remixed it, and made it made it good. Yeah, don't the, book, um, well, you, you'll never book Gangstar again, but yeah, if you do in the afterlife, don't book K Slay ahead of them. Um, yeah, Nita Peoples had a TV show in in the 90s called The Party Machine. It was good. Yes, she did. It was a really good thing. She was fun. Um, I'm not real. Fat Boy Swatch ad, the Fruity Pebbles ad I didn't bring up, but you you all know about that one. Yeah, Peoples fine. Oh, my man. goodness. Debbie Harry on SNL with the Funky 4 Plus 1. We didn't talk about that. Debbie Harry, Blondie. Rapture fame, dope as fuck. This is a, you. I hope you hear this three by five card. Oh, seriously, three by here a whole stack over there, yo. Uh, yeah, no, yeah. I made a list of the first families, the first ladies. Lil Kim, Rod Digger. Oh, Rod Digger. She's Lil another good one. First lady. She did Her not, voice is unique. Did not thrive on sex rap. She was a, the exception there. Bars. Bars. Remy Ma don't listen to enough of. Did she do a lot of sex rap? No, no, she's she's bars. Oh, she's bars. Okay, good. So we won't include her in that. Apologies to to her. Talked about his. Yeah, man, we're good. But it happened. We went through some cards here. We added some more material. We gave you everything. Yeah, and Black American hated rap. Uh two two seven was BS. Um Coach War in the 80s, Power 99. Yeah, man. I think we did good. This is, I think I'm satisfied. This is definitely like 
a bonus episode on top of other episodes that you're going to listen to and you're going to enjoy because it's this is an what we do. endurance episode, so if you're still with us at this point, um, email. Uh, <laughs> the password is <laughs> Hyrule. <laughs> so email uh, Mike with uh, Hyrule and he will send you a prize for enduring uh, this long into the uh, podcast. Yeah, I'm going to send you a prize. I'm going to send you a thank you in Helvetica and a fucking email. <laughs> like, thank you for listening. Put in Comic Sans. Yeah, Hotel, yeah, everybody loves Comic Sans. Unbelievable. Yeah, man, we made it, man. We did it. No doubt. Cheers, yo. Months in the planning. Yeah, months indeed. All I'm right. Gonna... Came here from L.A. to P.A. Fill up P.H.I., whatever, fuck. All right, y'all. This is the end oh, of... One what's... last thing. Oh, yeah, what's going on? So... Uh oh yeah, so I cut you off from the beginning. So the doctor said rectum. I hardly knew him. (laughs) 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 Oh, Jesus Christ! Yo, all right. Yeah, so that's another episode. That's the 84 Fly Down Podcast. We're flying. We're dying. We're not dying. We're flying. All right. Catch y'all next time. Yo. Next time. Peace. Peace. <laughs> we're not dying. We're flying. Win!